not so long ago in the far-off land of Reefside, California, Dr. Tommy Oliver was teaching high school. Ethan's bootleg blue eyes white dragon card Ashley and I'm Tommy's kinky leather handcuffs Sid and this is Rangers Lane where Sid lifelong Power Rangers fan takes me Ashley Power Rangers newbie through the world of Power Rangers and this month we're looking into our second dino themed season Dino Thunder all right so yeah this this month we're actually tackling the uh very popular season of D- the Disney era. In fact, a lot of people's favorites, uh, Dino Thunder. So what exactly is Dino Thunder about? Well, let me tell you. In the town of Reefside, high schoolers Kira Ford, Ethan Janes, and Connor McKnight get thrown in detention one day together under the supervision of their new science teacher. What they don't know is that their teacher is legendary Power Ranger Tommy Oliver, who is hunting the Dino Gems and is also a doctor? What? Uh, after gaining the powers of the gems, Kira, Ethan, and Connor become the Dino Thunder Rangers, dedicating their lives to saving the world from the machinations of the evil Mezagog. So, so yeah. Now, this season was quite a delight. I think we, we really... We'll go... Obviously, we'll go into more, but yeah, it's, it was quite enjoyable. I, f- I feel like, more than anything, it was, a, it was a really good homage to the first season itself, except, you know, it wasn't 60 episodes of syndicated nothing. <laughs> Yeah, so, like, we have this season that basically is uh, has a lot of homages to the first season where it takes place in a high school. You do have, like, an evil, like, quote, quote, sixth ranger, even though he's technically the fifth in this season. Uh, you do have an attempted romance. Um, you know, you have, you know, teenagers learning about this great power that they have to save the world. But it's also, like, interesting is that they, the teenagers this season kind of feel like teenagers. Not oh, yeah. like the not like the paragons of perfection that are holding up like Angel Grove by a thread. Oh yeah, you know what what parents like to put on gifted kids versus how gifted kids actually act like. Yeah, because like they're kind of like there are times where they're mean, they're petty. You know, they have conflicts with each other. Like they have falling outs with friends over like weird things. So it's so weird being a teenager and you look back and like, wow, I had a falling out with this person for something really stupid. Yeah, yeah. Because like, because Kira, like, because there's an episode where Kira, like, her best friend comes back into town or her ex best friend comes back into town, and they had a falling out because like. I think, like, it seemed like she got more famous than Kira did or something. I don't remember. It was ba- basically, I think what it was is, like, she she eventually got, she kind of got signed and just ditched Kira altogether. Yeah. And Kira, who's, like, most of her, we'll get to kind of Kira and a lot of her uh, story arcs. But, yeah, it's, like, it kind of blew, like, it, it felt like she just blew off Kira and forgot about her and sold out. Right. You know, the sellout teen you think you, you do as a child. Like, uh, you're a sellout. Right, yeah. It's like, and you get older and you're realizing selling out is just making money. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, also, like, they definitely feel like they kind of worked out the kinks of the previous high school seasons in this season. Oh, yeah, because it, it feels like you're oftentimes, uh, I, a lot of it, uh, they do have a, a set for high school, but they take a place a lot of outside of high school. There's definitely, like, a hangout place. There's more than just one hangout place, it looks like. Um, and it feels like stuff high schoolers would actually go do, like be in a band or play soccer or spend all your time gaming, you know? Right, right. As opposed to, we're gonna go, like, clean up the earth or something. And I'm like, it's not like there aren't activist teenagers, but you typically only see, like, four activist teenagers per high school. Right, and then, like, or if you were like me, where I, when I was in the International Baccalaureate program, um, eventually I swapped to, uh, I was not in the, no longer the diploma program, so I didn't have to do this as a requirement. But, like, they did require people who were getting the full diploma to do community service for a certain amount of hours. Yeah. So, like, you know, sometimes the activist teens are, you know, just doing it because they have to do it for schoolwork. Yeah, and, and, you know, it's not like, yeah, and again, it's like, it's not like you can't be political as a teen or anything. It's just, just like, especially white teenagers, um... Yeah, typically don't focus on that as a teenager. You, you typically are like, hey, I I think this is wrong, and there's not much I can do about it, so I'm just gonna say it's wrong, and then go listen to my, my favorite new Green Day album. Right, and like, you'll, they might get involved with, like, you know, volunteering for groups in their local community, um, whether it is, you know, through, like, a school program or not. But, like, it's very rare that you come across your Mari Kopanis, your your Greta Thunbergs at your local high school, you know? Yeah. Also, it's like, the high, the high schoolers aren't exactly the, the people who hold up Angel, like, three side together. Yeah. And, like, Angel Grove or, like, everything depended on these five teenagers. Right. Like, there's a whole episode where they actually do have to go to the city council about, like, a land, not land ordinance, it was a, it was a- it, it was- uh, it was essentially a building buyout. Yeah, to, yeah, yeah. To uh, essentially, this episode was uh, because Haley owns the cyber cat owns a cyber cafe, but it's rented out. The kind of evil but then turned good uh, rich guy bought it, bought the land, like bought the building so he could put his son in charge. No, he it was the uh, he bought the land because it was city land. It was city land, and he could essentially be a landlord and just put his son in charge of the cafe. Right. And they had to go dispute the fact that, you know, this buy this buyout was incorrect. Yeah. And so, like, you know, that's not something that, like, only the Power Rangers could solve. Like, it was a, no, we're gonna go talk to our local city council old woman and see what we can do to get this reversed. And and it ended up being, like, Tommy, the adult of the situation, like, hey, I know someone in the city council, we can go talk to her about it. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, it was Trent that convinced her to, like, take back the, you know, take back the purchase, but, like, I, that was under extenuating circumstances of Trent saved her from a monster. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, this is still Power Rangers, after all. <laughs> but yeah, it, it's pretty much, like... The teenagers just act like teenagers. Like, you know, Connor is very focused on sports and he wants to be a pro soccer player. Kira's very into wanting to break out as a singer-songwriter. And that's something, like, a lot of, like, 
we pressure a lot of young people to do uh, in music is to try to break out when you're young. Because when you're older than 25, we won't have anything to do with you. It's also easier to exploit young people. Yeah. Oh, uh, uh, let's not get into that shit. But and then like Ethan is pretty much he's wanting to game all the fucking time and be be a nerd. Yeah, like I feel like if the season came out like 15 years later, like we would yeah. see like Ethan being like a pro gamer in his spare time. Oh yeah. I I'm just imagining a character based off of Sonic Fox. Oh my god. <laughs> and how fucking beautiful that would be and then he's like a wolf ranger too. Oh my god. Yes. Yeah. Like a, like a uh, fox or wolf ranger. That would be even beautiful. Um but yeah, um that's like a big thing. Uh, it definitely took kind of the high school setting and actually made it feel like high school instead of, well, what do what do we wish high schoolers would like and we'll transplant that on like tiny children. Right. All right, well, we've talked a lot about, like, kind of what the plot of the season's like, so let's talk about some of the characters. And we're going to start with Kira Ford, who is kind of the epitome of 2000s hot topic culture. You can't see me, but no, I'm hiding my face, because there were several times that I recognized I owned pieces that Kira wore. (laughs) I mean, to be fair, like, if I had been watching the series when I was 14, like, I would have thought Kira was the coolest fucking person alive. And she she was. So. Yeah, like Kira is objectively the coolest member of the Power Rangers this season, not gonna lie. Yeah. So yeah, Kira's whole thing is that, you know, she's a 17-year-old, 17, 18-year-old uh, struggling singer-songwriter. Uh, she does have a band, but they're never named. You never learn any of their names, or do they have any real plot outside of, like, you know, whenever Kira needs them, but you don't learn anything about them. So they're kind of just, like, uh, I guess ses- session musicians. Just session musicians that are like really that are really cool with Kira, and like we want to see this girl blossom. Yeah, and oddly enough, there was kind of a hilarious like a lot of her plots would revolve around her like wanting to further her career or like tied back to her singing career. Like we had the whole thing about her and her ex ex bestie, but then there's this one episode where like. She didn't sign a record deal. It was like a whole, like, she had a producer scouting her for, like, a potential deal. And, like, this dude was so Euro-trash and creepy. Who's that guy? Who's that, like, DJ guy that does all the really bland songs and said shout-out to to George Floyd's family? I want to say that was Diplo or David? No, it's David Guetta. It was not Diplo. Yeah, d- yeah, it's like like this is David Guetta motherfucker, right? And like this would have been around the time that like okay, so there's this running like there's a short running gag in the fir- early part of the series where like Kira would get compared to Avril Lavigne and she would be very like she'd get real mad when people would do that and like. You know, there's kind of an interesting dichotomy in pop music, especially around them, because you had, like, these singer-songwriter types like, you know, Avril Lavigne that were popping up. Um, Pink, I think, was a big one. Pink, I like to say. Yeah, Pink was also kind of starting to pop up. Cause, like, as I saw her on the No Strings Attached tour in 2000. And then by 2004, she I think that was when her second album came out, and I can't remember yeah. what the name of it is right now, but... Yeah. So you had Pink doing her thing, but then you would have, like, these 
you know, Swedish pop producers like Dr. Luke was starting to come up around that time. Ugh, I hate mentioning him, but... Um, and then you had, uh, I think Max Martin might have been also coming up around that time. Um, there was a Swedish producer who worked on Britney Spears' first album. That might It might have been Max Martin, but I can't remember right now. Um, but you had, like, these Swedish pop producers coming up. And I think that was supposed to kind of be a parody of that. Is that oh, yeah. you have these very European pop producers who were producing more of this kind of rave, techno-ish sound that they were bringing over from Europe. And so, and you kind of start to see some of that conflict. Because I remember, like, I want to say this is around the time Nelly Furtado started becoming more of a pop artist. Mm-hmm. So you kind of start seeing some of that conflict with, like, you know, your Michelle Branches, your Vanessa Carltons of the world, your Avril Lavigne's of the world, versus, like, some are starting to branch out more into pop music. Or you have, like, these up-and-coming pop singers that are getting this very techno-ish sound. So you have, like, this that kind of internal conflict in that one episode. And it just comes out in the weirdest way possible. Because, one, that guy was creepy and, like was also like trying to make kira into like this very like techno house like singer and it was just weird yeah because like it was like she had just strange she had a she had a uh an an enemy stand outfit like from jojo oh yeah like that outfit was just hilariously strange and also i think very matrix influence because this is around the time that like everything was the matrix if that makes yeah. sense. Yes. Oh man, it's gonna. That's something we should probably talk about when we when we go to our Disney overview. Yeah. Um. <laughs> which that fashion's apparently coming back. Like if the because we have we're starting to get like that Y two K aesthetic that's starting to pop up, and like we had not one but two Matrix jackets popping up during WrestleMania, so we might start seeing that again in future Power Rangers. I don't know. Oh, boy. So, as you noted here, is that, like, so each character this season kind of has, like, a civilian power that's kind of tied to their Power Rangers, like, deal. And yeah. And Kira specifically has kind of these Black Canary-esque powers. Yeah, her she has a supersonic, like, scream. Which I think is based on a Pterosaurd. Or not Pterosaurd, <laughs> fuck. Pterodactyl. Yeah, Pterodactyl. Uh, Pterodactyl. Yeah. Or I think ter- this was still before, like, everyone realized that those were giant lizards, not dinosaurs. Yeah, and I think it's a Pteranodon now that you'd specifically refer to that as. Yeah. But, yeah, so she's kind of, like, which also kind of ties back into her, like, ability as a singer. Um, and, like, well, maybe I'm just projecting because Black Canary's been a singer in the comics for, like, the past six years, so, um, which I once got into a debate about that with somebody at a, at a con because, like, they, I think they automatically assume that anytime Black Canary uses her voice, it's automatically gonna hurt somebody. It's like, no, that's not how her powers work. Like, she's not going to get out there, sing something, and all of a sudden everybody in the audience is dead. No, like, it's a specific canary cry. It's like, then how does she talk to people? Yeah, exactly. I was That's why I was confused. Of, they were just like, you know, she just doesn't want to hurt anybody. I don't understand why they make that her power. I'm like, that's not... What? <laughs> anyway, um, 
So yeah, it kind of ties back to like kind of Kira as a person and her powers. And she's kind of the heart of the group because of it. Yeah, like because yeah, she's like the first to trust Trent. She's kind of the one who kind of wears her heart on her sleeve. Def- definitely the artist type of I wear my heart on my sleeve. I want to help people out. You know, she she was also kind of when uh, Cassidy's whole arc was happening. She more or less trusted Ethan on Cassidy more so than Connor. Right. And ended up being kind of rewarded for it. And right. it was like, oh, well, Cassidy's not that bad of a person. She just kind of acts the way she does as a front. Yeah, yeah. And I, so, yeah, and kind of tying back to her and Trent is like, they kind of have the quote, quote, romance of the season. It's like, it kind of comes across more as that they both have a crush on each other and they, they never act on it. Yeah. Um... Which happens in high school sometimes. Yeah, but, like, we didn't really mind their relationship, because, again, with the whole, like, the high schoolers feel like high schoolers uh, angle, is that they, it's like, yeah, it felt realistic, and, like, you know, it wasn't obviously, like, kind of shoved together at the last second with, like, Tori and Blake, and then, like, you know, Trent's a good kid when he's not, you know, possessed by an evil, like, dino gem. Yeah. So like, and that's and they and they met before he was possessed by an evil dino gem and and everything. Yeah, so it was just, you know, it was it was kind of the two artsy souls trying to get together, and it was really cute. And I kind of wish they did more, but uh, as you know, I, I boys think that's icky. I guess I don't know. Yeah, and then like there was occasionally where like there was kind of a weird inner thing where she kind of wanted or she wanted to be girly. Yeah, it was that episode with the, um, it was kind of like the big, I think, flop for her character at one point. It was the episode where they, uh, that meteor crash and they all became like what the, what their inner thing wanted to be, which is Connor, you know, likes to deny that he wants to be smart and studious. Ethan likes to deny that he, he, he can be a total jock. And it, Kira's was, she likes wearing girly shit. And I'm like, you could have given her more than that. <laughs> yeah, that was a little weird. Like, and especially because, like, the other, or, like, Devin was, like, really cool and, like, kind of, like, like, yeah. like John Travolta in uh, Saturday Night Fever. But, like, uh, Cassidy was kind of just a massive nerd with bad skin. Yeah, Cassidy, like, as soon as they point out the opposite thing, and you kind of learn that later through Ethan, essentially, and everything, and... More about Cassidy. That Cassidy puts up a front. It actually makes more sense that she is kind of that awkward nerd because she's she really is just putting up that front to not be that. Right. No, that makes sense. Yeah. So that made more sense than Kira being like, "Girl." Yeah. Though I will say, like, her actress did do the whole like, "Oh, I don't want to like get involved with these dirty things." Like, very. It was very a uh, very funny performance. Oh, but yeah, just, no, just, Emma's a great actress. Yeah, it just felt a little weird. <laughs> it just felt, yeah, it's like Emma's a great actress and did a very good job with that, with that. But, you know, it just felt kind of like this obviously was a little clunky and you guys were trying to figure out, like, the writing and, and executives and all that were trying to figure out what to put Kira as what her inner self would be. Right. Um, I did like the fact that Emma also did all of her own singing. Yeah, that was something I pointed out because uh, Emma, uh, especially post this, is more or less wanted to, like, I felt like I read somewhere she wanted to pursue, like, singing more than acting. And 
Like, I think her agent felt like this was a good platform for that. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the singing, you know, obviously it is dubbed over, but a lot of singing is actually done by Emma. And I know later she did try to get a recording contract post this series. All right. Well, moving on. Uh, so our next ranger that we want to talk about is Ethan James, who is the computer geek of the group, but also kind of the tank. Because, like, yeah. his power is that he kind of has super strong, like, impenetrable skin. Oh, yeah. Because he's the Triceratops. And it kind of later kind of in, it comes into play because he is kind of... He's not macho like Connor, but he's definitely macho in his own way. Yeah, he's kind of got the geek boy macho that, like, they never want to admit is actually a form of, like, machismo. Yeah. And I actually appreciate Ethan, like being a well-rounded geek because it's like you could tell he's very into geeky things but he's also like a lot of times you see him and he's very fashionable yeah i would say especially in a season that's just rife with 2000s fashion he would probably be one of the more better dressed characters on the show yeah you know it, it, he he definitely just kind of had a very nice fashion sense to him very much like what I would see a lot of young men wear back then, or teenagers especially, when they would want to express themselves and not do, like, frat boy fashion. Right. They would do a lot with what, what Ethan was wearing. Right. Yeah. So, because um, frat boy fashion always sucks. Yes. Yes, it does. And so, as we noted, he is kind of the gamer TM of the group. Um, <laughs> He's definitely the gamer. There um, are multiple plots of his that revolve around video gaming. Yeah, because, uh, you know, it it really was like the scene, the pro gamer scene, I think, was starting to happen at that point. It was still pretty underground. Yeah, I mean, it's not like, you know, nobody's like winning millions of dollars for playing Overwatch at this point, you know? Yeah. But there's definitely a scene for it. Because online gaming started to become a thing around that time. Uh, so, yeah, that was a, th- like, uh, I want to say it was Guild Wars that was mainly it at that time period. Uh, was, uh, maybe? I don't I don't know. Um, wasn't Starcraft I, I know. also be kind of a thing at the time? Yeah, Starcraft. A lot of, like, mu- uh, multi, uh, multi uh, MMO stuff would come on um, that would allow for uh, multi multiple players to play online. And kind of do these things, so I'm not surprised that there, you know, they, you know, Haley's Cyber Cafe held land tournaments and stuff like that, right? Because like there is that whole episode that involves a land tournament, um, and where Ethan is kind of getting a little big for his britches, as it were. Yeah, <laughs> and Devin ends up beating him. Yeah, but yeah, like entirely. Go- There's one plot point where like Ethan gets zapped into a game because he was trying to get something, and that's where the no gamers allowed thing happened. That was so funny. <laughs> no gamers allowed. It's like, wow, this show predicted the future of Twitter. Yeah, exactly. Like we almost named this episode "No Gamers Allowed" just because <laughs> that that sign just absolutely sent us. Yeah, we we're just like dying. Um, so yeah, it was a lot of his stuff was around like computer geek and stuff like that. But like I said, like he was well-rounded. He also, he sounded like a teenager instead of like Billy who would just spew out SAT words. Yeah. I mean, there'd be occasions where they would ask like, um, Ethan to translate what he was saying, but like, you know, I think that happened like maybe three times at most. And I'm including like the, the, the hidden episode in that. 
Yeah, and a lot of times that had to do with a lot of, like, computer technical know-how. He wasn't just saying things that had, an like, a, non, a non-SAT word equivalent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to remember, like, when, when Billy... Billy one time tried to compliment, uh, I think... I forgot who, I think it was... I, I think it was, uh... The like a mixtape Zach gave him, uh-huh. and like came just spewed out all these random words. Yeah, he just kind of spewed out all these words, and like everyone's like, "Huh?" Trini was like, "Oh, he likes the mixtape." Yeah, I think at this point they've definitely figured out that you can communicate that a character is smart without having him use like a ton of like big words. Yeah, uh, which so, I'm thankful for that. Uh, there was a copious amount of 2000s slang though. Yeah, because I think, I I remember them using, like, I think they used fat, like, P-H-A-T in an episode. Yeah, they, yeah, they did. They used, they used, they used a lot of slang. I, I didn't write it all down. But yeah, it's like, Ethan talked like he was a 2000s, a mid-2000s teenager. Yeah. More so than, I swallowed the SAT dictionary and I'm just gonna puke it up. Right. There was something else about Ethan that, like, it came to mind and then it just slipped. Um, it's fine. Uh, if I remember it later, I'll bring it up. Uh, he did get a romance kind of the season that did, you know, as we talked about, this does feel like teenager stuff. Is he, uh, actually had a, ro- like, there was a couple episode arc where he was in a romance with Cassidy. And it ended up, uh, and it ended kind of more or less them recognizing they'll be better off as friends because they just had nothing in common. Right. And they were also busy with other things in their life. So they just didn't really yeah. have time to date. Yeah. To date and maybe get to know each other through each other's likes and likes them, et cetera. So it was, it was one of those really, I mean, it was sad because it's like it started, you know, you have the beauty and the geek thing. Mm-hmm. But also it's like, that's high school. It's like, sometimes you do get too busy to have a relationship and it's, it's a little bit in life as well. Right. And uh, I just I just love how it started out via online dating, though, because that was starting to be the big thing back yeah. then. It's like, oh, online dating. And I think there was a teenage dating program. Probably. I mean, that sounds like something that they would come up with for, like, early-ish internet days. Um, I get, I, yeah, I feel like a lot of this season is a time capsule for, like, early 2000s internet. Yeah. Where, like, you really are starting to kind of get this, like, online culture that is starting to be built up, but it's, like, like kind of this, we're, we're, we're in that transition point between the introduction of the internet in the early 90s to kind of when internet beca- starts becoming more accessible in terms of, like, you know, everybody has a smartphone, everybody, like, you know, can easily access the internet no matter where they are, um... You know, like, because you still have things like cyber cafes, you still have, like, you know, these very niche websites, like, for, you know, teen dating or whatever. And Ethan has a laptop, which back then, that was a big deal to have a laptop. You were more likely to have a tower at home, because laptops were just too expensive. Right. And so I'm just like... They, they never really talk about, like, the only one you know in the series that is definitively rich is, um, is Trent. But, like, you know, I guess, like, either, you know, Ethan's made enough with, like, you know, gotten enough recognition from gaming that he has his own laptop, or his family is making decent enough money that they, you know, believe he should have his own laptop. 
I, I think, honestly, what I kind of got, other than it was obviously not something they thought of with the economy, is mm-hmm. if Antoine Mercer feels comfortable enough for Trent to go to the public school, mm-hmm. I have a deep feeling they were in, like, a decently well-off area. Right. Oh, so, I do remember what I wanted to say about uh, uh Ethan. So go there ahead. was this one, that one episode with the bully... About how the way he gets out of getting in a fight is not through, like, being, like, you know, doing the Power Rangers, hey, let's just talk it out. Or that one episode of Masked Writer where, like, you know, uh, he gets, like, uh, that he gets out, Dax outwits the bully until, like, he admits that he's just insecure. Um, I forgot about that episode of Masked Writer. Yeah, I had to until we rewatched until we watched the Bully episode of this like season. But I love the fact that he kind of just like, look, if I can show you how to better your soccer game, will you leave me alone? Yeah, and then proceeded to show how to do that. Yeah, on his laptop. On his laptop with like a program that would not be running that fast in two thousand four. (laughs) But yeah. Uh, I'm just gonna blame that too. Writers are a, are a bunch of people who have a jack of all trades and master of none. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, like kind of to go back to the romance point, uh, he and Cassidy do meet up on. It was kind of had to do with the the stranger meet up on the internet, but it ended up being like the whole oh you already know that person in real life and right. kind of uh getting to know her. And there's a whole arc, it had to do with him being nervous about dating, mm-hmm. which I liked because it wasn't him being all like, I don't know how to talk to girls. He was just more like, I've never been on a date before. What the fuck do I do? Right. And, um, and you know, the, the awkwardness of teen dating and shit and mm-hmm. Tommy trying to save the day of it. But yeah, it kind of just ended with both of them being like, hey, I don't think this is going to work out. And I... I also like that in a lot of ways because, again, like, sometimes shit doesn't work out when you're a teenager. Yeah, and I think I did like the fact that, like, what we kind of learn about Cassidy in those episodes carries over to the rest of the series. Yeah. So, like, it felt like, you know, one of those things where the stuff that um, Ethan was saying about her is that, you know, hey, you know, she's a good person, but she just puts on a front. You should be more understanding. Like, actually, like, means something and not, like, you know, this is gonna happen for an episode, and then we're just gonna make Cassidy kind of a bitch for the rest of the time. Yeah. So it was kind of, um, yeah, it was, it was yeah, I, I really, I really liked that bit of teen, ro- uh, the teen romance in this was great, because mm-hmm. it just felt like how teen romance actually is, instead of like, and then they met and lived happily ever after. It's like, nah, yeah. it's a lot of awkwardness when you start dating, like, a t- as a teenager. Yeah. <laughs> I um, said that be, being only on two dates when I was a teenager, so... <laughs> right. I I didn't go on a date until I was in college, so I understand. <laughs> yeah. So, you know. Uh, but yeah, as we kind of said, Ethan's definitely the brains of the group. Uh, and I, I just want to point out, Ethan's a short king at 5'5". Five five. <laughs> yeah! Like, is he technically taller than you? He is! <laughs> By an inch! Yeah, short men! <laughs> short kings! <laughs> and the other thing we wanted to talk about is how much he hated connor like we did yeah because it's like it feels like the relationship between ethan and connor like it just starts off antagonistic and then gets like it progresses to 
we tolerate each other, but, like, it doesn't feel like they actually become friends. <laughs> I think Connor invests more into his friendship with Ethan than Ethan does. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Because Connor was all like, I'll help you get a girl and, and everything. Yeah, I'm like, at what point did, like, was there that trade-off with Ethan and Connor where, like, Ethan's like, I'm gonna help you with X. Yeah, it so. just... If, if it happened, we forgot about it. And, um... Yeah, it just really felt like Ethan did not like Connor. So let's talk about Connor McKnight. Oh, okay. <laughs> I would like to say he is still not Rocky, so that's good. Yeah, so Connor's whole thing is that he's the star soccer player of Reefside High, and he's kind of the king of the jocks. I think that was Cassidy's word for him, too, is king of the jocks. Yeah, that, yeah, that tracks. And, like, the first thing that we see him doing is that he's being an asshole to his goalie. And then, like, he says something really misogynistic about Kira. I can't remember what it was, but I was automatically like, I do not like you. <laughs> it, it was actually a misogynistic thing towards Principal Randall. Oh, yeah, that was it. I just remember he and was then, being misogynist, and I was just like, oh, fuck you, buddy. <laughs> but, no, he does later, like, basically, uh, when he's, uh doing detention with Kira and everything, he is being such a misogynistic prick towards her, and I think Ethan speaks up about it. It's like, hey, you're being an asshole here. Yeah, he is just such a garbage boy. Like, oh my god. Like, it's this like, is- oh. I was about to say, it's like, they distilled everything that's bad about cis men, cis white men that you could put into somebody. And a children's show, and that is Connor McKnight. Yeah, like, if you guys follow our Twitter, you probably saw the joke I made about, like, Connor would be the type to say that, like, oh, well, women's soccer isn't that hard. They could never play at the same level as the men. That's why we don't, like, that's why they shouldn't get paid as much. Like, that was the exact vibe Connor gave me, was the deposition against, like, from, like, the, you know, U.S. men's team's like, reasoning as to why the women's team shouldn't be paid as much. Yeah, it's just... God, he doesn't... He doesn't really get better? Yeah, like... Like, yeah, we have that whole episode where he has to learn that, like, he should be, you know, legitimately passionate about something and not just do it to try to get, you know, get girls. But, like, I can't say there's any part of him that, like, you see any real character progression... Besides that, he goes from a huge asshole to a little less of an asshole. <laughs> yeah, like, he accepts his teammates, but all like, okay, the two things that truly bug me about Connor's mm-hmm. growth, more or less, was, one, it was, we'll talk more about this, uh, this episode later, but definitely uh, Lost and Found in Translation, definitely racist white boy vibes, with him just being like, oh, this is... They're making fun of us. This is weird. You know, what, you know, he was just kind of like, like, uh, Ethan and, and Kira were like, hey, relax. It's a, it's a T, like, you know, because they were, you know, watching Abba Ranger. Right. And to give the context, they were watching Abba Ranger and Connor was just acting like a huge asshole the entire time during this watching of Abba Ranger. Right. And more or less in the, oh god, the the weird Japanese people type of way. Right, yeah. Oh god, it was so cringe. It was, it was, and they didn't overtly kind of say, oh, those were Japanese, but it was definitely like implied through a lot of Connor's language, like, 
ah, weird foreign people. Yeah. Carl is like, ew. Uh, and then his issues with Trent. Yeah, like, this is such a, like, every time there is an issue with Trent, like, after Trent, you know, goes good. Because, like, yeah, I get the distrust of Trent early on, where, like, Trent is being possessed, and, like, you know, Kira holds out hope that, you know, Trent will turn out okay the entire time. Um, but, like, you know, it takes Connor some time to come around, so when Trent does turn good, that he's more ready to accept him, but every time there's something that is, throw like, that seems like it throws a wrench in that. Whether it's, like, you have the evil, like, White Ranger clone, or towards the end of the season where, like, they find out that Trent knew about uh, Anton being Mezagog the whole time. He is ready to get Trent thrown out of the team every time something happens. Yeah, like, like the first bit, I sort of understand, but it was you know, sort of trashy in a way of, like, you don't believe Kira saying, oh, I talked to Trent and he definitely seems like he's in trouble. Mm-hmm. You kind of blew her off or like, oh, no, he's evil through and through and he was putting up a ruse. Yeah. And at some point, I feel like Tommy would have been like, bro, let's yeah, listen to then, Kira. <laughs> yeah. And then like when they went there, there's there's signs of struggle. Like there's a there's a bench that was knocked over. Trent's sketch pad was left there. And Connor goes, well, there you go. He's an evil bastard. It's like, Connor, like, look around, buddy. (laughs) Like, there's obviously signs of a struggle, you dork. And yeah, like, like, the white dino stuff happened. And he, like, with the clone. And he was like, oh, obviously Trent's evil. And then, yeah, the final bit, he was like, how dare you, Trent, not narc on your dad? Yeah, I was just like, Connor, do you have any chill? Like, at this point, it just kind of feels like Connor may be a little bit of a racist. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) We are going to say Connor McKnight is probably racist. Yeah, like, because he already, like, there is that one episode where he gets weird about the foreign exchange student because he thinks the foreign exchange student is like, blowing him off when like it's really that like oh he's just like afraid to talk to people because like his english isn't that good oh yeah that happened <laughs> yeah and like he yeah the like... exchange student is like french or something like that but like yeah i think it was german because german like you know accents can come off very you know rude to someone like connor yeah and I, I i knew it was some like he was obviously like white european but it was just like Connor was still just being like, uh, he's he's not being nice to me. It's like, oh, will you just shut up? Please shut up. I think what was it I went to, to, yeah, I went to George and was like, it, can you confirm that you think Connor's a Leo? And, and we just laughed about it. Yeah. It's like, Connor McKnight is definitely, because I was like, he is definitely a fireside and he's all about himself. So he is most definitely all the worst things about a Leo. Yeah, exactly. Oh my God. Oh, um, and yeah, like I said, he doesn't, he doesn't really get that much better in terms of being a trash boy, and I guess his, like, his civilian ability is that he is really fast. Yeah, he, he's, he's fast. And he's the, he's, he's got the power of the Tyrannosaurus, and he's the Red Ranger, so he gets the dumb <laughs> battleizer. Oh, we'll talk about the battleizer later, because we have so much to say about that battleizer. <laughs> 
I love how this is just like, we love Ethan, we love Kira, you know, they they had, you know, small parts as Power Ranger characters, but there was something there, and then we got the Connor, like, this fucking garbage asshole. Yeah, I'm just like, I'm sitting there, like, towards the end of the series, I'm just like, man... Let's just give the, the, like, the red, let's just go back in time and give the red morpher to Megan Rapino, because, <laughs> like... And I put out she was age-appropriate at the time! Yeah, because she's, like, 40 now, so she would have been about, um, 20... Hang on, I gotta do some She was now. about the... Yeah, <laughs> she was, uh, I know she was of age of a lot, uh, year-wise, mm-hmm. uh, when she was born of a lot of the actors that were playing uh teenagers in dino thunder so she she would have probably been casted yeah she's she was about 23 at the time so it's just like yes like megan rapino is the clearly the leader i would want to have be have red ranger powers not this soccer boy asshole who's gonna do a great job on the u.s men's team and never make it to the world cup (laughs) (laughs) Uh, tell me i'm wrong (laughs) (laughs) Uh, it's like you, yeah. It's just, and I, like I really think he, him ending up like Kira and Ethan at the end was more of like, well, we're Rangers and I like you two now because I've gotten to know you. Whereas otherwise, he like as seen at the beginning, he wouldn't have cared of them. And I think that was more of like you're my friends now because I like you, but I'm just gonna still make fun of other people. Yeah, he's like he does not get better. Like, yeah. I don't, he, like, he does not learn empathy. <laughs> yeah, it's like, he he would have been a great contender to learn empathy as a character. And they just, well, it's Power Rangers, so. It's like, we'll have him learn empathy by falling in love with, like, the teen activist at his school. And, like, pretending that he cares about her tree, but then genuinely cares about the tree. Yeah, all, all, all because, she calls, like, once he, like, and it was all because, she, like, she overheard him saying, like, oh, yeah, I'm definitely gonna score with her now. Uh. Ugh. Like, what's funny to me is, like, how much they, like, braided Gene a lot of his talking about scoring with women. Yeah. But, like, it's very clearly that his whole personality is just dumb jock who, like, wants to pick up chicks. I really also love is like, oh, you don't know what sex is, Ethan. You're lame. And I'm like, shut up. Oh. I'm pretty sure Ethan knows what sex is. <laughs> Probably more He's... than you. <laughs> Probably more than you. <laughs> so let's let's talk about our favorite emo boy. Cause we're let's let's move away from Connor. Talk about our favorite emo boy, Trent Fernandez. Mercer hyphen Mercer question mark, but Trent Fernandez. Yes. Oh man, Trent, he's such a he's such a sad emo boy. Just fucking emos can be. <laughs> yeah, it's um so this is kind of the the second we've noticed like since watching Into Storm, this was kind of the second time in a row that and we're just gonna functionally call him the Sixth Ranger, even though he's the fifth. Because he serves uh, a lot of the same purpose that like the Sixth Ranger does. Yeah. So like he's he's functionally the Sixth Ranger, even though for this season he's the fifth. So he drove a lot of the plot and also dad issues. Yeah, like, it, it felt like kind of like looking at, like, two opposite, like, ends of the spectrum in terms of, like, dad issues. Because, yeah. like, you know, Cam, you have, like, you know, his dad issues are rooted in the fact that, like, you know, his dad's a, a, a guinea pig. 
now and like you know they kind of have this like ongoing like tense relationship of like you know cam just wants to be seen as an adult and like be be allowed to make his own choices and like uh you know sensei watanabe is having the struggle of like you know he knows he needs to let cam grow up but he's afraid of what could happen because he's lost his wife and so like so you know that's the rooted of the dad issues there whereas you have trent with like my dad's evil what do i do about this but he's not really evil he's possessed by an evil dinosaur monster there and he like it's obvious like as soon as like Trent finds out these things that kind of you know after Trent's I am evil arc mm-hmm. and more or less like he starts realizing his dad's probably very closed off because he doesn't want to expose Trent to Mazaga. Yeah, that which makes sense. But also there's the whole thing of like the mix of the dad issues also being kind of the darker version of uh, Mr. Collins and Wes, as you pointed out. Yeah, and like we'll talk about that a little bit later, but like because you know. Their whole, like, especially in the early when Anton is introduced, like, there's this whole back and forth where, like, Trent wants to do something different with his life. And specifically, he's a, like, he loves to draw and he's a comic book artist. And, like, he he wants to do that with his life. But Anton's like, no, you should be in business and follow business, me in business. Business, business, <laughs> business, business, business. Numbers, numbers, numbers. Numbers. Third episode in a row we've referenced the Lego movie. <laughs> um, but yeah, and like, so there's kind of that early push and pull where like, you know, it seems like, you know, Trent wants to, you know, make his own choices similar to Wes, but he has this rich dad who wants him to follow in his footsteps and do exactly what the family business is. And, uh, but like, it's got such a creepy undertone. Yeah. Um, for like that first early bit because you're it, it's alluding that something's up with like uh anton and i mean it's telegraphed pretty hard very early on that he's mesagog um yeah. but you know you know that there's something up with him and there's something dark with him so it's kind of just feels like you know anton's just kind of forcing him into this role to kind of maybe carry out his dark deeds and then, like, as the series progresses and you learn more about Mezagog and Anton and Trent, it becomes more obvious that, like, he's mostly doing this to protect him. But, like, since he's not, he's his adoptive father, he doesn't, he's, he's going about it how he thinks he should go about it, but he's not really, listen, like, he has to learn to listen to Trent and his wants. Yeah, yeah. Which, is, which is something that parents have to do. Mm-hmm. And I want to kind of bring up the whole adoption thing, because it's like, you know, People point out, it's like, Trent, you have a different last name to your father. And Trent was like, oh, well, my parents died in it. Like, it was like, it was this hand wave. Like, they died in an archaeological dig. So mm-hmm. I guess he's Batman, which is like, no parents. Right. Another Lego reference. <laughs> Trent is darkness. Yeah. No, no parents. parents. <laughs> Super rich. Yeah, it makes it better. But uh, Mercer took him in. It sounded like it was like just part of the company or something. And Mercer took him in, and because he felt bad, they didn't really go into that. It's just Mercer took him in, and Mer- Mercer, Antoine, Mercer, and Trent do act like a father and son. And I like that they don't just have like. And then Trent's adopted family was actually like dead family was actually alive, and he goes back to them and stuff. Yeah, but it didn't. 
Now, I think it's implied that, like, he, like, Anton promised he would take care of Trent if something happened to his parents. So I'm, yeah. like, wondering how high up the corporate ladder in terms of, like, paleontology his parents were, but I don't know. Yeah, we don't know. Um, so it just feels definitely, um, like, that is just something that will just show up in media. I've noticed a lot. It's kind of my issue with Once Upon a Time, actually. Right. Is just they kind of make the character Emma like the true mother of the kid character mm-hmm. because his name is Henry. Who gives a shit? Right. That series is for people who his entire personality is Disney. Um, I'm sorry if that offends you, <laughs> but it kind of became that way. Uh, but it's like whereas like Regina who did raise Henry. Oh, she's evil. Yeah, I was like, uh. So just, like, deal it, like, actually seeing, like, no, that is his actual fucking dad. And, you know, it doesn't matter that they're not blood-related. Was was kind of refreshing to me. And that's just a side note of, of mine with their relationship is, you know, it, it wasn't like, oh, Antoine Mercer is evil, and now here's Trent's actual parents. And they're gonna come and re-adopt him, and Antoine Mercer then dies or something. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, and like we kind of said earlier, it caused conflict within the team because Trent, I don't think it's more or less he promised to keep this, like, uh, Antoine Mercer promised Trent, like, hey, keep this from the Rangers. I think Trent just made up his mind because he thought that they would kill him. Uh So, uh, you know, it kind of goes back to like, do I, you know, even though I'm pretty sure if Trent went to Dr. Dr. Tommy Oliver, it was like, hey, Dr. O. Like, my dad's Mezikot, can you help him? Like, Tommy wouldn't be like, oh, I'm gonna go kill my ex-boyfriend. Yeah, I feel like Tommy would be willing to help in that situation. Yeah, if he went to, like, Tommy and Haley and were like, hey, this is going on, I'm pretty sure they would help. But I think Trent really was just so fearful they would hurt his dad that he just kind of kept it a secret. And, you know, with Connor on the team, I understand. So, there, yeah, a lot of it definitely is my dad is evil and I have to conflict with that. But then there's also the other thing that happens, which, again, kind of echoing from the original series. And it also had to do with the fact that uh, Abare Killer did attack the, ob- the like, did attack people in Abba Rangers. So it was a great way to kind of use mm-hmm. that footage was have Trent be the brainwashed evil ranger. Right. So, you know... He, how he got his powers, he just kind of accidentally went to this portal. Like, he started looking at, like, realizing the invisible portals exist in my house. Oh, that's funny. And he just waltzes into Messicog's lab when they were trying to open the white dino gem. And the white dino gem's like, yes, I'll bond with you. Yeah, it's like, by the way, I'm evil as shit. Wait, what? <laughs> it's like, oh, no. So you kind of also have that echoing Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde thing with Trent. Right. And that... Trent's, you know, they they kind of have Trent going through this whole, like, sickness. Like, at one point, Kira's like, oh my god, are you okay? You look horrible. Uh Because he's just been, you know, Trent has been going back and forth from transforming uncontrollably and going on these rampages to back to his human form. Right. Until eventually, like, I forget if it just takes him all over. No, I think it's like Mezic God just fucks with them. It's like, okay, now you're super evil now. <laughs> oh, your goodness is gone. And so they have to go through the redemption arc with him and everything. And 
Also, the whole, like, because when he does turn good, the evil part splits. So he kind of has the the green candle thing going on with that. Mm-hmm. Where he, you know, he does have to kind of eventually destroy that evil bit. Which, a- again, there's the whole, like, fight self thing. Here's fighting your most dark self in the middle of your pool yard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and yeah, he gets better and he gets camouflage powers. That's kind of his thing. Yeah, it's not really, like, it's not really as prominent as, say, like, you know, Kira's, uh, you know, Terra Scream or um, Connor's, like, using his Gotta Go Fast ability. But, like, yeah, he is able to camouflage and turn invisible, um, similar to Tommy, actually. Um, uh, it, it more or less helps him um, basically sneak into Mezogog's lap. I think you can, like, see him if he moves. Like, you'll notice ripples. Right. Unlike Tommy's just full invisible. Right. But yeah, it help, It basically just helps him to sneak into Mezogog's lab every now and then. And But yeah, it's kind of like he deals with his own Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde story that his dad deals with. And and let, let's talk about the comic book artist thing, because that was, um, was kind of the biggest conflict with his, like, outside of the whole Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde shit. It definitely was the comic book artist shit, because... Being an artist is kind of not fun. Yeah, um, so yeah, comics does not pay that well. I mean, I still love being a comic writer when I do have the chance and, uh, you know, energy to do so. But, like, I have never been paid that much for it. (laughs) Lots of people can tell you they have not been paid much for it. Right. But, like, even... Like, you know, aside from that, like, it does, t- it is something that his dad has to warm up to, like, kind of with the understanding that, like, it's something that makes Trent happy. Yeah. And I think that that's sort of a thing for Anton, is he's got to learn that he's got to let his son be happy. And, like, you know, this is following the whole, like, oh, you shouldn't be a, a bus boy. You should be the manager of this cyber cafe, which it's like, he's 17. What is he going to do with that? Yeah, um, like, being a manager sucks, first of all. Being the owner manager of something, can, that's a lot of work you're asking your 17, 17, 8-year-old, 18-year-old kid who is in high school do. Yeah, he's not even gotten to college yet. Why are you doing this? Like, do you want him in charge of the books and the open and stuff like that? Like, and inventory and everything that goes into that? Right. Like, what the fuck? But yeah, it feels like, and I think that also helps with, like, the relationship uh, as soon, more, and it comes more into play as soon as, like, Antoine, re- like, realize, it feels like almost like a deathbed thing as Anton realizes more and more he cannot control Mezagog. Right. He more or less, like, starts warming up and making sure Trent is set up to be in a place of happy in case something bad happens. Right. Kind of dark, really. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> like, at that point, we don't really know what's going to happen to Mercer because, like, the transformations between him and Mezagog are getting worse and more frequent. Yeah, yeah so it's just kind of like, I want to make sure my son is happy. Right. So, uh, I guess we're moving on to... Um, to our angst boy PTSD written extreme, uh, Dr. Tommy Oliver's back, guys! Yeah! Like I said, he's even got his PhD now. What the fuck? That was literally everyone's reaction when we read. It was like back towards the end of Ninja Storm when we read what was going to be kind of Dino, like the treatment of Dino Thunder, the pitch for it. And we're like, wait, Tommy's what? <laughs> he has a what? <laughs> 
A, D- a PhD? Yeah. Tommy Oliver? Like, last we saw him, he wanted to be a race car driver. It's like, what happened? He just, and yeah, yeah at the uh, Massachusetts Institute of Technology, which at the time, and I think still is, does not have a paleontology program in our reality. But I guess in their reality, they do. Yeah, because you had a note here is like, I guess Harvard was too bougie. Because yeah. they do actually have a paleontology program, but like, nah. Nah, and it would, that would have made sense. Like, he would have known Haley from MIT because Cambridge and Boston are basically one entity. Right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make it clear they're kind of one entity, and I'm probably going to get shit from Bostonians and people in Cambridge. Yeah. I got to give you shit about Harvard. <laughs> Haven't, but it's like that would have made sense, but no, no, he's Harvard was too bougie. MIT sounds more like more more obtainable, even though it's MI fucking T. Yeah, I'm just like, it's like I knew one person in my high school that went to MIT, but like we didn't really speak after high school, so I don't know what her experience was like, but like, (laughs) God, it was just like, oh, I'm still just stuck on like. Tommy Oliver got his PhD in paleontology. Like, you made a joke early on when we were starting to watch about, like, Tommy calling, like, Billy on Aquatar and just being like, hey, guess what? I got my PhD. And Billy just being <laughs> like, what? What? <laughs> I don't understand this. Who are you? What did you do with Tommy Oliver? <laughs> I mean, like, like I could just see, like, Billy going, oh, congratulations, but also the back is my, what the fuck? Yeah. I feel like that would be the reaction of anybody who, like, shared a ranger team with Tommy. It's just by, like, you got your what? Kimberly, like, catching up with him yeah. after she wins, like, gold medals at the Pan Global Olympics. Yeah. Like- and he's just like, oh, yeah, I finished my PhD in paleontology. Wait, what? like when did when how jason is just like just randomly and forever red like he's catching up and jason he's like oh yeah i'm almost done with my like doctorate program and stuff and i got this great job lined up with antoine mercer and just just jason be like wait what (laughs) you have what it's like you got a what you got a what And then TJ being the only one who does not did out actually know him that well, just being like, "Oh, that's cool! Congrats!" <laughs> well, that's very that's very great for you, Tommy. <laughs> oh. Jason's also like, "What did I have I done with my life? I've done nothing." Because <laughs> I don't think we ever get updates on Jason until like. That team up episode, and I might have to look it up, but I'm pretty sure it's Karate Studio or some shit. Oh my god. It's like, you just have a feel- I just have a feeling Jason just expected that he and Tommy would live out the rest of their lives, like, being, like, rival karate, like, (laughs) instructors, like Cobra Kai or some shit. (laughs) And instead instead Tommy goes and gets his PhD in paleontology. Gets a cushy research job! (laughs) (laughs) ends up teaching at a well-off high school again a well-off high school that explains why he probably got him in Mm -hmm. but yeah it's just like wow you guys a cushy like job researching 
<laughs> oh my god. Chase is like, no, what have I done with my life? <laughs> I did this karate studio for nothing. <laughs> oh my god. I'm just gonna go be gay now. I mean, even better is uh, Jason just watches Drag Race that year. It's like, Skull, really? <laughs> I'm not even sure if Drag Race was on at that point. It wasn't on until 2008, but like... Uh, yeah, in 2008, you know, after all this, he's turning into Drag Race, and he's just like, really? Skull's on Drag Race? Fuck this. <laughs> oh my god. I, I, P.S. I actually do like Jason. It's just funny to like think about how Jason was just characterized as leader dude and mm-hmm. probably how he would get stuck in high school. Yeah. Oh my god. Okay. Um. Okay. Let's go back to talking about Tommy. Oh. So um, we did the math because gradual if Power Rangers often takes place in the year it actually is. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tommy would have graduated in, uh, 1997, so I believe that would make him around 24, 25, because he would have been, like, 17, 18 when he graduated, so he'd be about 24, 25 in the series, and it's like, what? No, no. (laughs) I do believe it is confirmed later in SPD that the series does take place in 2004. Uh So it's just like... No, that is not a 25-year-old. Yeah, he has more of the energy of, like, a 35-year-old, because he's just so done with everyone's shit, and he just, yeah. <laughs> and he was being played by someone in his 30s. Right. So it's it's pretty much like, you know, and Ashley and I talked about this in the fact that, like, when you, when you are, a, like, a teenager even, like, even as a teenager, you think 25 is so old. And you reach the age of 25 and realize, no, this is not old at fucking, I'm fucking old. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing! Yeah, like, the weirdest part was when I turned 21 and then, like, 25 in succession, because those were the parent, the age my parents were when they had me. I was like, how did they raise me at this age? I can barely take care of myself. I just had cereal for dinner. Like, like, how did you, wow. Like, you kind of realize how young it is to be a young adult when you also hit 25 and everything. And like, yeah, it's like, no, he acts way more in his 30s. And so we're just like, Power Rangers, when did it take place? Time has no meaning because it's Power Ranger. Right. Which which also goes more or less into the PhD thing of having it and firmly having it by 25 is a little weird. Right. I mean, yeah, technically you can do it if you straight shot it and get the right thesis in and everything. But it's still very weird by the age of, like, 25, he is firmly having a PhD and has had a research job. Right. But, you know, uh, Dana from Lightspeed Rescue uh, became a doctor within uh, a year span of just entering her first year as a pre-med. So, Power Rangers. Power Rangers. Jazz hands. (laughs) Jazz hands. The morphing grid. Uh, Yeah. All the weird time disreferency shit is the morphing grid. Yeah, we decided, like, we'll just use it, like, the way Lucy Lawless explains it in that one episode, The Simpsons. Whereas, like, if there's any sort of weird continuity error or any sort of, like, something that doesn't make sense, 
and Xena, you could just say a wizard did it. So for, uh, not Simpsons, for Power Rangers, you could just blame it on the morphing grid. And it yeah. just makes sense. It just makes sense. It's like, oh yeah, morphing grid, like... The Morphing Grid did it. <laughs> the Morphing Grid, in this version of the timeline of Power Rangers, like, they weren't cool teens in the 90s, they were cool teens in the 80s. Right. <laughs> you know, something like that. So, uh, and, and that also is displayed through Morphing Grid. Right. So, yeah, um, so this is our favorite version of Tommy so far, because, you know, they actually... Instead of kind of doing, I'm Tommy Oliver, badass, big, cool person, they actually make him an ex-child soldier. Yeah, because, like, he, it's very clear that Tommy does have a lot of, like, you know, he does carry a lot of experience, but also a lot of trauma from being a Power Ranger. Like, we had that whole episode where he, like, was in the coma, and, like, yeah. the way he has to fight, like, fight his way out of the coma is fight the past versions of himself so he has to fight like the the zeo the red zeo ranger he has to fight the uh the white ranger he has to fight the green ranger it, in order to like show that he has the will to live and that's like that's kind of messed up that's kind of messed up that you have to con like you feel like you have to fight within your subconscious to to win the to win back your dino gems and also the will to live and it's yeah and, and you can tell like tommy's like, he is older, he is more hesitant on making decisions. He's not that brash, dumb teenager from Mighty Morphin days. And, right. You know, there's also a little bit of kind of, I I think this is what, when people try to make dark and gritty stuff, like, they forget that you could still have hope, but you can still have kind of this hesitation and almost, like, sad reaction to the world it's not like right. complete doomsaying but it's it's one of those like yeah this is some this is sometimes not how shit works yeah he's yeah. not as idealistic as he used to be yeah i think that's you know that is a carryover from you know his days as a power ranger because especially because he was a power ranger for so long like basically his entire high school career and then like he has all these years not to be a Power Ranger, and then he kind of gets thrown back into it. And then on top of those years that he was thrown back into it, like, he was dealing with the fact that, you know, he was living a normal life until uh, his, his basically, his, his ex <laughs> slash boss, we'll yeah. get into that, uh, like, decided to drink something to... Um, he decided to kind of take his research too far and drink this formula, and now all of a sudden he's dealing with an evil entity and these things that they were studying, and he's like, ah, shit, I don't want to deal with this crap. Yeah. You know, I just wanted to research dinosaurs. Yeah, because it's like, I mean, obviously he knows what the dino gems are going to do, like, and what powers they're going to give. Like, that's why he's trying to track them down before anybody else can. Yeah. Um, but like it seems like he doesn't really like he's doing he feel it seems like he's doing it out of obligation. <laughs> yeah. Kind of uh what we'll see kind of be the crux of Stone Ocean is a lot of how Jotaro was going into um going into that part, essentially. Yeah. And this is there's almost a sense of obligation to keep your to keep this shit going mm -hmm. uh in case of an of evil in the world and then it biting you in the ass through family in the case of stone ocean with jotaro and uh jolene right um 
Yeah, and we, as we constantly said, of like, uh, as you know to hear, your like the favorite version so far is just gay and riddled with PTSD. <laughs> yeah, because this is this is like how I would imagine, at least in the world of Power Rangers, because we're not gonna we're not. You know, as much as we joke Zordon is a war criminal, it's more of how accidental that comes off when Power Rangers. Right. So I'm just more like, I understand it's a kid's show and all that, but I also understand like Tommy would would carry a lot of pain with him into adulthood and the fact that he's being dragged into it. But yeah, he's fucking gay as shit in this. Yeah, like the entire vibe with Anton Mercer just feels like, Oh, we used to date, but now we don't, and it's awkward. Yeah, I was like, oh, I thought you were dead awkward, and definitely this animosity. And I just remember being like, oh yeah, Tommy's gay this season, and then we were watching, and I'm like, oh my god, I forgot about this chemistry. Yeah, and then like, yeah, because it's also like, Tommy is also kind of a dork this season. Oh yeah, like a total dorky dad, you know, that shines through. Which I do like, mm-hmm. especially the, the line about, well, I gotta get black in my wardrobe now. <laughs> oh, that that actually was very clever. <laughs> or, or like, man, all the kids listen today is noise. And you brought up, like, you listened to these pop stars when you were a kid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's why my response to Tommy was just being like him being like Grandpa Simpson in that one episode. It's just like, I used to be with it, but then they changed what it was. Now what it, it's it it's different. It seems scary to me. It'll happen to you. <laughs> that that is literally was him that episode. <laughs> it's like this is gonna happen to you, Connor. <laughs> Connor is like, no way, man. It's gonna be cool forever. It's like finishing sixteenth in the World Cup to like ten years later. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, um... G- gets, oh, gets dunked on by the women's soccer team when he says something stupid on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's like, there's this whole, uh, thing about Tommy. He actually feels like a well-rounded character and where he would be at this point in his life. Mm-hmm. As opposed to what we kind of later do see, which is like, I'm Tommy Oliver, badass! Yeah, which, like, uh, like we do have to wonder, how much input did JDF have this season with how Tommy would be presented? Because, like, if he didn't have much, that would make sense. <laughs> I guess some shade of JDF, I don't hate him fully as a person anymore. But also, I'm like, you can tell he really is like, I like badass characters and Tommy should be a badass. Like, no, no. <laughs> Like this is why writers are in charge of this shit, and not and not you, who probably yeah. is going to jump on the NFT train. You know it. He's gonna jump on it. Mm, mm, mm. Um, and like, kind of carries over a little bit though. Of like, I don't know if JDF had any input with this particular thing, but they keep referring to Tommy as the greatest Power Ranger ever, and I'm just like, no, because I'm like, I am. If you you guys have listened to this podcast before, you know I am not the biggest Tommy fan. And it's like, especially like, I don't understand the hero worship of Tommy. But again, I didn't grow up with Power Rangers. So, you know, I don't have this like implanted memory of like Tommy being this ass kicking badass who like 
you know, gay, like, he beat up the Power Rangers when it's like he beat up the Power Rangers for one episode and then was good, like, two episodes later. Like, it's not that deep. Um, and, and, and a really, like, feels way too long story arc. Yeah, and, like, so I do, I just do not get this hero worship of Tommy. It's like, yeah, okay, so he was the most popular and you kept bringing him back and, like, but, like, no, he's not why are we saying he's the greatest ranger ever just because he did it the most yeah and it's like really kimberly with like a word <laughs> you're like I, I, that that is your energy about that it's like kimberly with like a word yeah because it's, it's just, just like i i just want an episode where like you know they bring back a legacy ranger and the legacy ranger is kimberly and she's referred to in like hushed tones and like is basically revered yeah, that's kind of the, the issue, because Tommy was, like, the biggest deal of a ranger when I was a kid. And I mm -hmm. loved Tommy as a kid, because Tommy was badass, and Tommy was able to break a spell, and, you know, the whole, like, sad thing of, like, oh, Tommy can't be a Power Ranger anymore, but he still wants to help, and then they just kind of forget he's there until the right ranger shit, which is right. pretty funny to me. Like, looking back, I'm like... You guys could have just had him played an auxiliary role until then, but no, you're just like, nah. Yeah. Tommy Tommy went went off for a while, and then, you know, and, and like, his whole story arc of coming back from that, and his relationship with Kimberly, like, to me as a kid, what drew me to Tommy was more or less, he was, like, he, in, in extension also to Kimberly's, he was allowed to have kind of these character moments and arcs. Right. And somehow, when I got older, it's just kind of like, you guys just are like, look at Tommy, he just does a roundhouse kick and he's Chuck Norris. And I'm like, that's not what can make Tommy cool. Yeah. Um, like, and as we talked about earlier with, like, you know, we do see Tommy's existential crisis as he's in a coma. Uh, I found it hilarious, though, is that the Turbo Red Ranger did not show up in there. <laughs> oh, yeah, we just started making jokes about that. Because, like, he had, like, Z the first one was Zeo Ranger Red, uh, Zeo Ranger 5 Red, because mm -hmm. uh, they were also numbered and colored. Yeah. Uh, and then I think it was, like, the White Ranger and then followed by the Green Ranger? Yeah. So it's like, you know, obviously the most, e like, when he was at his most evil, he'll fight him last. But yeah. yeah, it was like, you were the Turbo Ranger for, like, like the beginning part of Turbo. Yeah. So, like, we joked that, like, the Turbo, instead of, like, fighting his, like, Ranger self from when he was the Turbo Ranger, like, it would have just been TJ, like, shirtless. <laughs> just being like, hi, Tommy. Hi, Tommy. You're gay. It's like, it, like, sorry to be the one to tell you. Like, you, 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 uh, just stop denying the fact that you are a queer man and, you know, all the stuff you did with Antoine was just what friends do. No. <laughs> no, it wasn't. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, and I, I figure, like, logistically, they probably just didn't want to include the Turbo Ranger just because he was only the Turbo Ranger for half the season. Yeah, and also I do believe a lot of the costumes and props got sold in between Wild Force and Ninja Storm. That makes sense, yeah. Because <laughs> they were just like, oh, we're not going to have another season after Wild Force. Oops. 
So I'm guessing that maybe the turbo suit got sold and all this other stuff. So yeah. Uh, and it, 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 it's understandable, but yeah, it'd just be funny if TJ's like, hey, Tommy, you're bi. <laughs> you are, you are queer. You are gay as shit. Oh, man. And I wish my coming out story just had TJ with a shirt and a can on. Just be <laughs> like, you're a, you're a gay, you're a gay, a gender dude. <laughs> it's okay. Like, you'll be fine. <laughs> you'll be fine. <laughs> But yeah, uh, his whole thing was like the invisible powers and then, um, which came into play. Oh my God. So what I do know, I forgot kind of why and I couldn't really find it in time for the podcast, but I do distinctly remember that JDF could not do the entire filming schedule. Right. Um, I, and I think it had to do with his own business and deal issues and probably also issues with the visa. Right. Like, because he was one of the, he he was one of, I think, the only ranger that wasn't from these, like, in the area and from New Zealand. So, you know, visa issues, having to take care of his karate studio at the time, he was not able to make all, like, time to go do this. So they had to kind of make Tommy into things so they could do voiceover. Right. And <laughs> so... At first, I think it was back when, like, Trent became evil. He gets encased in amber. Yeah. And it, was, it was all because it's like, oh, I know the identity of the White Ranger. It's encased in amber. And it's like, yeah. oh, well, fuck. Uh, and then after that, he, they got him out, but he couldn't demorph. So he was just stuck in his suit for, like, half the season. Yeah, I would say there's probably at least, like, five to ten episodes i didn't count where he was like it like he was just stuck morphed and so like yeah. he had to like you know stay inside their like their lab and like anton had to come in and fill in for him at school yeah it was just it was kind of awkward and then uh they they found this goo mm -hmm. that they're like oh that's that's the thing it can it can turn me visible. It can it can get me demorphed. Which I love. The lead up to this was I think Connor being like, "Why are you working out, Doctor O? No one's gonna be able to see your cool like arm muscles." I'm like, shut up, Connor. Oh my god. He needs to still keep in shape, you butthead. Yeah. So he was like invisible for like two episodes because it basically like it helped him demorph, but he just couldn't get out of his civilian powers. Yeah. And then, like, and then, so then he was in a coma for, like, an episode, and that's when he has his, like, internal fight with himself. Because I forget what happened. It's, like, they basically, like, do something to him where he becomes visible, but now he's in a coma. Yeah, because initially it was, like, he got encased in amber, they got him out of the amber, he couldn't demorph, so they covered him, and, like, so for after a while when he was still morphed, like, they covered him in this slime that Elsa was using uh, for one of the monsters. Because they thought, hey, maybe this will work. And, well, he got demorphed, but he also turned invisible and stayed invisible for a couple of episodes. And then they basically had to do, like, it was like an electroshock thing, like, channeled through his, like, dino gym. Yeah. And that overloaded his brain. <laughs> but then, like, after he was, like, he woke up and fought himself, his dino gem was whole again. Because sure, that's how that works. Yeah, you know, it was it was it was definitely a postmodern man versus self. 
In the most literal sense. Right. But, um, and then we, like, yeah, kind of tying back to he is older and wiser now, he, he is most, he and Haley are mostly the mentor figures Mm -hmm. of the season, and you can definitely tell when he, what he learned from Zordon and what he was like, nah, I'm gonna, this, this was actually bad that Zordon did this. Right. Like, particularly, I think Zordon was a little handholdy at times. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Tommy was very much, I'm going to help you, but you do got to figure it out on your own. He was a handholdy on Ethan's day because he was like, oh, my God, teenagers. It's like, God, you're embarrassing me. <laughs> you're embarrassing me. So uh, <laughs> and now we're going to go into the allies and the other mentor of the se- series, Haley Zichter. Yeah, who is basically Tommy's lesbian friend from college. And yeah, she's she's like the tech lesbian that owns uh, the cafe, the cyber cafe, because that was all the rage back in. Yeah. Uh, so before we kind of uh, uh, go into kind of why she had a cyber cafe and all that, let's talk into why we say she's a lesbian. Right. Um, so in 2000, I want to say it was like 2015 or and in the, the mid-20-teens, uh, Toku Ladies did an interview with Jackie Menard, who was, who's was been a long-time writer of, of, on Power Rangers, essentially. Mm-hmm. And, uh, she talked about how the showrunners and, and almost everyone in the writing staff really wanted to make Haley a lesbian. Right. And it, it included, like, they did a, um under-the-radar subtext line at the end where Haley's like, oh, I'm gonna go off back to college with my best friend, Gals Bean Pals. Because, you know, the network is like, oh, yeah, Gals Bean Pals, that is, that is legit. Instead of like, no, no, that is, that is clearly her girlfriend. Right. But they had to kind of cut it from the main, you know, for various reasons they had to cut it. So, yeah, they, they basically very much intended this character to be a lesbian. Yeah, um, that's definitely one of those cases where, like, what they say and kind of, like, the whole, like, vibe of her character definitely makes sense. Like, because I remember that episode with, like, the super, like, famous woman that everybody's in love with, like, all the boys are in love with. Also, Haley really geeks out when she comes into the cyber cafe. Yeah, Haley's like, oh my god, this beautiful woman! It's like, how can I help you? Yeah. Uh, and like I, I you can't see but I'm doing like the uh, the awkward smoothing of my hair. Just to be like, uh, "Hi. Uh, I I didn't expect you here." Yeah. Um I mean, the lady turned out to be a massive bitch anyway, so and, but... and never grew. Yeah. But that, that episode was weird. It was. It honestly was, but like yeah, so there's a lot in her character, like, I guess kind of just in a, her demeanor is kind of implied. Like, it seems like they were, like, planting those little seeds, and then they just never, they never really got to pay it off. Yeah. Um, so I will just be like, you know what, I will definitely take the producer's word on this, just because, like, the subtext in the series matches what they were intending. Yeah, because I do believe Jackie was one of the, pro- not the executive producer, but one of the producers of the series, as well yeah. as one of the writers. So, yeah. yeah. So, uh, like a tech lesbian, she kind of came up with the cyber cafe because she was just kind of sick and working in the tech sector. I mean, do you blame her? Like, at the time, I think Elon Musk was working his way through the tech sector and all those other gross dudes. Yeah, so this would have been around, like, like, because this is post-dot-com boom. 
But like, you know, again, we're going to start in a couple of years, we're going to start seeing more of like the Apple bros coming up with like, you know, we start having smartphones and other sort of tech innovations starting to come up. Um, so, but kind of within that like gap period, because they don't say when she stopped working in the tech sector, but if like she stopped working around the time of the dot com boom, it makes total sense. Um. And it's just like, yeah, I don't blame her. I've met a lot of people in tech and some are great. And then some are just, I'm like, please get away from me. <laughs> Ugh. Please, please learn a humanity. Yeah. For once in your life. Learn, learn a humanity. Um, so yeah, it, it was, um, it kind of reminded me, uh, I didn't want to go back to Ethan, but it just reminded me of like in two years time, we would have heard like Ethan talking in Leet speak. Oh God. Mm-hmm. I just realized that. Oh god, I, was gonna say I that don't early. want to think about it. Oh god, I thought I, I was past it. Just Ethan going like woot. Yeah, it's like we combed that villain. Yeah, it's like oh god. <laughs> Thank God, uh, they didn't go and tap into leak speak. Uh, oh. but yeah, like she, I can see just definitely like post dot com and all that shit. She was done with it, so. And this was a thing, like, they had cyber cafes and hangouts and stuff, where you would, you would have a coffee shop where you could go access the internet and drink a coffee and have that be a meetup place. Yeah. Uh, and, and also there was a stage, you know, some coffee shops do have stages to perform at, so, yeah, she owned basically the hip joint that the kids went to, and it definitely felt like it did not have a Jesus clause unlike the- <laughs> Like the Ernie's Juice Bar juice and Youth Center. <laughs> You sponge, you said, I was like, hmm, what Jesus Claus is here? Yeah, and then, um, yeah, we mentioned why she, you know, intended to be a lesbian, but got cut. Um, so another thing that was never mentioned in the series, but was specifically listed on the production documents, is that her last name is Zichter. And, uh, <laughs> as we still are carrying our PTSD from fucking, uh, VR Trippers. <laughs> My brain's still leaking from that stupid show. Yeah, but, like, the main character was, you know... Um, the, the main villain was Carl Zichter. Yeah, our yeah our main villain was uh, Carl Zichter, a.k.a. Grimlord. So we're just, like, we're mentally just, like, okay, so was this just going to be a tribute to VR Troopers? Or were they, you know, maybe intending that, like, if they ever brought it up in the series, that she was actually related to um, Carl Zichter? Um, so, like... Yeah, we don't know if Haley would be young enough to be, like, his daughter or anything like that, but maybe, like, an uncle or... Also, like, if she's related to the Zichter, like, family, I can also imagine that she's just like, I don't want to be involved in tech. This sucks. This sucks. There's a rumor that my relative is, like, a fucking evil overlord. I'm I'm done with this. Yeah. (laughs) So, um... Yeah, it just kind of was, like, kind of interesting. And, you know, the morphing grid works in mysterious ways. It's true. And also, Zichter is just a, a, a wonderful, like, punchy last name. So, I, 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 if it was just the reason of we fucking love that name and wanted to use it again, I don't blame them. Yeah, it's a, it's a very good name. And, like, it makes her sound like, you know, it makes her sound, like, extra cool. <laughs> yeah, because she, she had the cool hideout. Which again, yeah, it, like I love that she did have kind of the hideout and everything, and was that type of caring person. Because as we kind of pointed out, she's more or less like the other mentor, but kind of like the Q or the Alpha Five. But you know, unlike Alpha Five, she actually does shit. 
Yeah, so she offers her tech expertise, helped out with the team, like, helped develop them develop new tech, like, because she made the, the bike for um, Ethan in that one episode. Yeah. And she also developed the truck that they use at the end that is, runs on a joystick, which just does, does not seem... Um, Oh, at the back of it too like it's in the truck bed itself yeah it just doesn't seem like a great idea <laughs> so it's like what they really I think it's I don't think the next season has like a truck of sorts like that but definitely the first two seasons they're like we gotta get in a semi yeah kids love semi trucks yeah i do love the fact that like it is canon that she just has been talking to cam on the internet yeah um that like they just trade tech tips with each other which just i love that that just totally makes sense it's like yeah that tie they they have to tie that into ninja storm more than the fact that like um connor's like twin brother is studying at the wind ninja academy (laughs) and may have dropped out yeah because it's just like i when he brought up the fact in that one episode which we'll talk about that in a little bit but when he brought up in that one episode it's like Oh yeah, my brother is studying there. I thought that was going to come up in the crossover, and then it never did. I was like, wow, you look like that asshole kid. Are you also an asshole? Yeah, and the answer was yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, I t- like I love the fact that like Haley and Cam are just like, oh yeah, we're internet friends, and like we talk tech to each other. Like, yeah. And like she might have, like, I just wonder, like, how- does she tell them that like she works with the Power Rangers? And then he's like, oh yeah, we were also Power Rangers. Yeah, I'm kind of, I'm kind of wondering that. Like, she just kind of kept up quiet. It's like, oh yeah, Cam did tell me about you guys. Yeah. Um, but yeah, when when she and she actually does get focus on things, even if it's like a B plot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's often around like her cafe, like, oh, Trent's not showing up to work. What's going on? And you know, she's all frazzled because she's in the weeds, and you know, or. You know, oh, I'm holding, uh, like, a thing here, uh, or, you know, the satellite TV shit. Yeah, like, she very willingly lets, like, the rangers use her business when she's not there. Yeah. Uh, and then, like, the biggest one really was when, like, Mercer basically became our landlord. And we are we kind of already touched on that, but it was just like, why did you do that, Antoine? Yeah, and, like, you know, it becomes, like, a point of conflict because, like, she kind of, for a brief moment, gets mad at Trent because, like, you know, she thinks that he's, like, you know, sold her out. And then, like, he explains himself. And, and it's, it's like, just no, like, my- what the fuck, Anton? <laughs> yeah, it's like, that's like, no, my dad did this because he's an asshole. Right. And he basically is like, I don't like the way she treats you. And it's like, and I'm like, like, dude, she's a pretty good boss to him. Like, better than most bosses? Yeah. I've ever had in my entire life. Yeah, like, she's pretty cool in that regard. Like, it's not that big of a deal. Yeah, and, and, he, and he's like, oh, you're picking up, you're being a busboy and making drinks. And it's like, what did you think he would do when you got the store, though, bro? Yeah. Because <laughs> like- Haley also does that shit. Yeah, because she is, like, the only person who owns her business, so, like, she's very hands-on. Yeah, like, so, okay, dude. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a lot of that, and it really, like, I kind of made a headcanon that she definitely met Tommy at, like, an LGBT group. Yeah, no, I would totally see that. They definitely hung out in, like, queer bars and had fun. 
Maybe maybe she saw him falling in love with Ant- Antoine Mercer. <laughs> she was like, oh man, I think this might be bad news. Oh, it is. It's like, once again, Haley is right. <laughs> I think that very early on when they introduce Haley is that she's somebody who like keeps up with like what the characters, who the characters are and what they like want. Oh yeah, she's kind of like an uh, an information person. Like yeah, and like she, I, she not only knows about what's going on with the Rangers, she also like she knows about what's going on in the town. Yeah, so like when she was introduced like that, I thought she was either going to be evil or a robot. <laughs> Turns out she's a lesbian. Yeah, which you know lesbians also know everything. Yeah, what what is it like? Uh, Bob the drag queen one time made a joke. It's like the gay agenda. It may it's made by lesbians, so you know it works. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's still one of my favorite jokes from an episode of Drag Race. It's just like the gay agenda created by lesbians. <laughs> so you know it works. <laughs> and that's the background, the gay agenda created by lesbians, it works. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't need a fucking baby. <laughs> oh. oh my god. George is gonna love this episode. He is. <laughs> Hi, George. We know you're listening. We love you. <laughs> hearts. Uh, so uh, it goes on kind of to our, our next uh, allies and kind of our Balkan Skull this season is Cassidy Cornell and Devin De- Delvell. Uh, Devell? Yeah, I think it's Devin Devell. You never hear his actual last name, I think, but okay. he does have one. Yeah, so like Cassidy is especially their plot driver is that like you know, she's the super driven, almost self-centered, like, student reporter who wants to, like, become, like, a full-time reporter. And, like, you have Devin, her very put-upon himbo cameraman. He, he's, he's, who you, you kind of later find out is a bit of a geek, which I do love, because, like, there was that whole episode where he, he does beat Ethan in the whole, like, game tournament. But then he, he also plays the rip-off Yu-Gi-Oh thing, which we'll get into eventually. Oh my god, yeah the buff Yu-Gi-Oh game so yeah like they're they're kind of the greek chorus and they help also drive plots like b plots and stuff along because you know cassidy is very much like i'm the intrepid reporter i'm gonna get this done this is my personality because you know when you're a kid that's sometimes what happens right and, like, Devin's really just kind of much or less the put-upon person. And I, I wanted to point out on why they kind of work as a bulk and skull, as opposed to when sometimes earlier we've seen bulk and skulls, and later we'll see that as well, mm-hmm. of just kind of, like, what makes them particularly work more is, like, the fact that they are not an exact copy of bulk and skull. This isn't, like, the big bully and his... E- like equally dumb bully parrot man. Now it's it's actually like no like Cass- Cassidy is technically a mean girl, but it's all you know as we later find out it's all front, and she's just a very driven person, and you know that's what Devin likes about her and likes to hang around her for is like he wants to help her be the best she can. Right. So yeah, we kind of talked about like Cassidy's character growth and. And everything, and when they started, like, softening her image, because at the first, the beginning, you're just like, oh my god, this annoying, like, over-the-top teenager who definitely wants to be a reporter. We all know those over-the-top teenagers, I was one of them. Uh, (laughs) you You know, she definitely was taking life a little too seriously, and then, you know, eventually, like, went through kind of the dates with Ethan and Ethan kind of like, Hey, you know, she's just actually really insecure about herself Mm -hmm. and puts on this front. 
uh, that, you know, she softens up. And we also see that insecurity before, like, we brought up the, the one episode where you see that true self where, yeah, she just looks, she kind of sees herself as that geeky little nerd and she needs to be better than that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's also the episode where uh, uh, there was the whole, like, internship at the uh, news studio in the, in, the, in the TV studio in town. And it was basically, like, Emma got, not Emma, that's her actress's name. Uh, <laughs> uh, Kira got it. But Devin kept quiet because, like, Cassidy was so wanting that, even though it really wasn't wasn't much. Right. Like, like Kira gave coffee to the weird, like, bat, the weird death of Smoochie episode, really. Oh, yeah, the funky fishman. Funky yeah, fisherman, so, that's it. <laughs> yeah, so the, 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 like, asshole, like, actor who does children's shows and Devin just like red security tape so yeah but through it all like when when they start softening to her she softens to them and when when the biggest scoop of her life which included like they're gonna get fired because she ended up because of kira's connections and everything she got a job at the the tv studio Mm -hmm. and when she was starting to play more and more with her heart including like oh i'm not gonna actually like say like i'm gonna deliver the news yeah the power rangers aren't here but i trust they'll return instead of what her producer wanted that got her in hot water and all of a sudden they're like well we got to find out if the identities are both fired and that's the end of my life and the end of it is like she finds out and just hands the rangers the tape and she's like i can move on from this yeah so and devin more or less starts getting a backbone than when you first see him right because he like he is he is the very put upon guy and then all of a sudden by the end of it you know he's wanting to ask her out on a date because he loves her it's right. very cute yeah no it was super adorable and then like like i said he later shows kind of a more geeky side and he also like has his inner self it's like i'm actually a really cool person look at me as john travolta yeah <laughs> and i do so. have to say it was really cute when um when devin like was hinting that he wanted to ask her out it was very adorable Oh yeah, and she she obviously didn't understand what was going on. She was like so fixated on her job. Yeah. So it was just like you know it was obviously very cute that Devin you know had feelings for her and you know did love her and it wasn't like the simp like uh nature of oh what's her name from Mass Writer why we keep referencing Mass Writer uh it was um I know the other one was Herbie yeah Herbie and I think. Betsy? Patsy, yeah, Patsy, Patsy or Betsy, yeah. It wasn't. It, it was definitely. It felt like an evolution from Patsy and Herbie. Of mm-hmm. let's actually make these characters likable, right? Um. So, uh, do we want to move on to villains? Yeah. So, yeah, we'll move on to villains now. And our first one is obviously um, Mezagog slash Anton Mercer. And oh my god. Uh, as we noted here, it's just fucky for no reason. Just no reason. He was so fucky. And, you know, when I watched this, I was like, I was becoming a junior. And obviously, you know, as a as a teenager of the internet age, I definitely knew what sex was. And I definitely knew what certain types of pornography there was out there. Right. I totally allegedly uh knew how to count my age down like to like how like what would an 18 year old be on that time of day right. allegedly 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 uh 
you know, and, you know, back back in the wild west of the internet. Right. Uh, <laughs> where you could just have access to things. Uh, so even as a teenager, I was like, wow, this is way too sexual. And looking back as an adult, I'm like, yeah, I was right as a teenager. Yeah, I was like, oh my god. <laughs> this, is, this is just fucky for no reason. <laughs> like, you would just get in close and be like, ah! Yeah, it's like, the sometimes, like, the chemistry between, like, um, Mezogog and uh, Elsa especially was just like, oh man, this is weird. <laughs> this is weird. This is almost, like, sexy in nature. Ugh. And, um... And yeah, it was. We would like to point out that after when when at the end of the series, when Mazagog is separated from Antoine, mm-hmm. uh, he just becomes a sadist murderer. Like the fuckiness just leaps out of him. So we're just kind of wondering: Is Antoine just like sexually frustrated and like doesn't want to explore his kings that he does through Mazagog? What's going on here? Yeah, I'm just like uh. What is the psychosexual shit going on here? <laughs> uh, so, uh, we we wanted to point out how this all happened was, uh, basically, Antoine Mercer, for some reason, wanted to test out dino DNA. We made the joke to cure cancer. Right. Uh, so he just swallows this, this concoction and has, and basically for the period, I think it's like a year period, he has this Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde thing. Where he he becomes a monster, and it's actually like a really horrifying transformation they do at one point with the yeah, like it is so much body horror in this season, especially with like Anton and um, Mezagog. Yeah, like particularly that first once you found out who this was and you got to see the first transformation, it was like a full body horror transformation. Mm-hmm. I am like. Some five-year-old who watched this, who's now, like, an adult, probably has this, like, burnt memory of this. And they're just like, why was that a children's show? What the fuck? <laughs> if, you, if you were that child, please email us. We would like to know. <laughs> We'd like to know if, uh, if Antoine transforming into Mesogog was burnt in your memory. And have you had to go to therapy about it? You don't have to tell us the details of that. We just need to know in general. Yeah, because, like, dang, that was that was something to really put in a kid's show. And a lot of, just, Mesogog was definitely, like, Lord Zed feeling on how just dreadful he looked as a monster. Like, that is something that would scare the shit out of a child. Yeah, it would have scared the shit out of me, honestly. You know, and I, I, that's what I kind of remember when I watched it uh, as, as a teenager, I'm like, wow, he reminds me of kind of how weird Lord Zed was and how much I was uncomfortable watching Lord Zed. Yeah. Um, so basically Mezogog's half and eventually Mezogog himself, uh, he's that, that line of, I don't want to cure cancer. I want to turn people into dinosaurs. Yeah. That's just the entire motivation of Mezogog. <laughs> he just wants dino superiority. Uh, I would make some sort of homo superior joke, but <laughs> I don't know, like, the exact, like, dinosaur, like, Latin name for whatever Mezogog is supposed to be. Oh my goodness. Honestly, it's not as cool as Magneto. No, that's, yeah, that's also true. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, 
Yeah, Mesogalar definitely has this, like, I'm going to purify everyone with, uh, be- making y'all dinosaurs, and I'm like, well, okay. Sure, that makes sense. I don't want to cure <laughs> I don't want It's like, with this technology, you can cure cancer! I don't want to cure cancer! I want to turn people into dinosaurs! It's like, okay, buddy. Uh, um, but yeah. So, you know, as we talked about, Antoine Mercer was the super rich dude, uh, super rich academic dude, too, because that's his entire thing, is he's not only in charge of, like, a lot of scientific research, they actually do make him kind, like, a bit of a Tony Stark figure in that he's actually involved in it. Yeah, and, like, obviously smart enough that he goes and teaches, like, their science class for, like, you know, a couple of weeks while Tommy is, like, invisible. Yeah. <laughs> Tommy's going through some shit. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's obviously, like, he knows what he's doing. He's very hands-on. And this is, it, it, like we talked about, he's kind of that darker version of Mr. Collins. Which I do find funny, Mr. Collins was just really a CEO when you look at him. Like, he yeah. didn't know jack shit of what was going on in Biolab. Yeah, just more of, like, yeah, he's kind of this rich CEO type and he runs his business and... He wants Wes to follow in his footsteps, and then that doesn't happen, and then, like, you get a little bit of that, but then you also add the extra Mesogog layer, and it's kind of like, whoa, what the fuck? Yeah, it's, it's kind of, I like this play on themes, and we talked a lot about that with Trent. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and yeah, just, like, I, I seriously do remember, like, I'm like, oh yeah, like, Tommy's, like, I, I basically was like, oh yeah, Tommy and his ex shows up in this, and I was joking. I'm just like, that first scene of them, we were like, oh my god. It's like, no, they, they really do play them like exes. Yeah. I don't know if that was intentional, but, like, that's the vibe. It's like, you and Tommy broke up on bad terms. Yeah, especially, like, making you think somebody's dead for, like... <laughs> five years is definitely bad terms yeah it's like i thought you were dead I'm like damn. and then the way he would talk to trent about tommy like don't talk to dr oliver and it's like wow wow, wow. <laughs> it's like my relationship with him is not your concern it's like well excuse me <laughs> it's, excuse you oh my goodness which only makes me wonder is like how old was trent when antoine adopted him yeah, because it's just like, yeah, they make it seem like it was a recent-ish thing, but I don't know if it's been longer than that, or like, you know, because Trent talks about it like it happened a long time ago, but like, he also seems surprised by all the things Anton does. I'm just wondering, it's like, were you secretly seeing Tommy behind Trent's back? <laughs> My son must not know I was gay. I'm like, oh, that's probably another reason why Tommy was like, hey, we should be out with your son. Right. So yeah, it's just, uh, the morphing grid works in mysterious ways. Um, yes. <laughs> but yeah, it's just, yeah, Anton just and Tommy just have this big ex-boyfriend energy with each other. Uh, like, about the level of Eric and Wes? Yeah. Except, like, Eric and Wes were definitely high school sweethearts that had a following out. Like, Antoine and Tommy were, like, college sweethouts turned like research people that had a falling out it's a very different adult vibe with them yeah a little less tension i mean there's still tension but it's not like you know it's not the same tension you have when like somebody that you were in high school with you know yeah definitely laura like we almost got married tension yeah that (laughs) yeah 
but yeah, like we kind of mentioned, like Antoine does get better, uh, eventually separates from Mezagog, and that's when Mezagog just turns pure evil sadist and mm-hmm. kills Elsa and all this other shit. Um, and then the so basically how the final battle happened, there's like there's all we'll talk to Zel- about Zeltrax in a bit in a minute, mm-hmm. but like there's all that Zord footage and everything from the Sentai. The robo footage from the Sentai that they can make them to the Zord fight with Zeltrax. Mm-hmm. But then they're like, well, Metzikog is an American villain, and uh, they basically have him turn into a really dumb looking turbo dino. Yeah, it was, uh, it was something. <laughs> like, you went from this, like, scary, and then I pointed out, like, he had, like, a membrane mouth. Like, the yeah. membrane would stretch and everything so you could see more of his teeth and his tongue. And it was just like, ugh. Like, everything about Mezagog just creeped you out, and then the mo- the final form of Mezagog was like, that's it? It's like a, he's kind of just like a weird, rap- like, baby-headed raptor. <laughs> like, cool, this isn't- his other form was menacing, go back! Yeah. It's like that, that meme of, like, upgrade, and instead of, like, and then, like, at the end, it was like, no, fuck, go back! Go back, go back! <laughs> go back! That was an upgrade! Uh, and he kind of went out like a bitch. I think it was just more of like, we combine our powers and blast you. Yeah, and then we use up all the Dino Gem powers, but he's dead, so yay. Yay. Fuck <laughs> this bitch. Um, so now we're gonna get into Zeltrax, which, another oh bitter ex of Tommy's. <laughs> yeah, he was a man for once known as Terrence Smitty Smith. So we just kind of... Yeah. Oh my god, that was just so weird. <laughs> this is so weird, because it's like, throughout this entire series, Zeltrax is like, I'm fighting you, Tommy, you're my nemesis. Tommy's like, who the fuck are you? <laughs> I don't and know then, who you are. And then later, like, Tommy, like, I think it's like, Haley and Tommy were going through photographs, and like, Haley's like, hey, who's this person next to you and Antoine Mercer? He's like, oh, Smithy, I wonder what became of him, and like, talked about how, like, they were all in it together, and, like, basically Smithy got mad, Tommy got a promotion when Smithy didn't, and he went to work for a rival company, and an, and an accident happened, he never heard from him again. And I'm like, cool, I guess there's a polycule in this now. Um, <laughs> uh, so, um, what happened, uh, basically what happened and how Smithy became Zeltrax, it's not sure, but I'm pretty sure it's what's gonna happen if we continue down the current path of gender reveal parties. Right? Like, oh my god, yeah. This is how we get evil cyborgs in the future. Somebody gets caught up in a Tannerite explosion and, oh, they're evil now. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure Zeltrax is, like, working for this company and he's like, oh, I have to make this gender reveal shit for this rich asshole, and then it exploded on him. And, um... Because it wasn't quite clear what he was researching other than dino shit, so it's just like, yeah, gender reveal party happened, and he exploded, and became a cyborg that then worked with, um, that then ended up working for Mezagog, and there was tension there, because, you know, he was obviously going to betray Mezagog, he was just in it to kill Tommy, Mm -hmm. but it's just like, Zeltrex still had Smithy's memories, but somehow just thought, oh, well, Tommy can recognize my face. It's like, no, you keep saying this, and Tommy's like, buddy, I don't know who the fuck you are. Who are you? It's like, oh my god. It's like, y- y- you destroyed everything from me, Tommy. I don't know who you are. 
Um, yeah, just, just Tommy being confused and like, I, buddy, I really don't know who you are. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, you're Smithy. And then like, I got to destroy you now. I'm sorry, Smithy. <laughs> and then like, he like he dies for a bit and then comes back and then he betrays Mezagog just because he wants to fight Tommy. And, and that ends and, up being his downfall. <laughs> yeah, so my favorite is he, he comes back via the tree that Cotter was trying to fake being an into to get with a girl. Yeah, because it was, like, Cause connected I, to, like, a, a life spring or something like that. The morphing grid worse in mysterious ways. ways, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I repeated that enough, and I'm sorry, but I'll just say time. It doesn't, like, the morphing grid did it, and, and all that just works. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he's just, like, suck. He, he, like, rejuvenated and came back and had this really cool, like, battle and everything. And and blew up and died. He did not revert back to human. Yeah. <laughs> which like, which is something I I feel happens because that happened to uh what was it, Drax and in Time Force? They're just like, he's dead now. Yeah. That's like, okay, so no redemption for Smitty. Bye. <laughs> Bye. You don't get to kiss Tommy at the end. <laughs> or even like you and Tommy talk out your issues and what happened. No, you're dead now. Just dead, dead, dead. R.I.P. Smithy, you were a uh, gay cyborg. <laughs> um, I guess moving on to our next villain, or kind of our last villain, is Elsa, a.k.a. Principal Randall, who is just an evil fucky dominatrix, um, except a mesagog, where she's kind of a sub. Yeah, she was just, she had this, like, fucky dominatrix feel, especially as Principal Randall. Yeah, she like, felt like, uh, to me, she felt like one of the teachers from, like, the original Cutie Honey, like, manga and anime. Oh my god! Because there's this one teacher who, I can't remember her name right now, but I can clearly see her fucking face in my head. But, like, her entire thing is that she's kind of, like, this dominatrix who, like, whips students who sneak out of, like, the, the building at night. Are we, are we saying these villains were written by Gonagai? Because that would actually make sense. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. Dino Thunder was inspired by Gonagai. <laughs> um, and yeah, especially her, her old dominatrix vibe especially came across in, like, her hair and outfits. Because, like, when she's, like, a principal, she obviously has, like, this really short pixie haircut and, like, kind of dresses in, like, a pantsuit. Yeah, definitely, definitely the, um, uh, I hate saying this, but definitely feels like some guy's weird fantasy of a dominatrix teacher. Yeah, a little bit. And then, like, when she is, um, outside of her, like, basically when she's in, like, her villain form, she's wearing, like, this, like, sheeny, like, matrix, like, black leather vibe. And, like, uh, the first part of the season, she has, like, kind of this weird braid cap that she's wearing. And then, like, the second half of the season, she's, like, wearing this kind of, like, wig with, like, weirdly cut bangs. And, like, this, like, uh, this really long ponytail in the back. Uh, I really like the second wig. That one was dope. <laughs> yeah. Wig technology has gotten a little bit further with Elsa. But, yeah, I, I like her. The second look was a little better, I thought. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's just kind of like, this is a little, uh, fucky for no reason again. Yeah, like, a lot of the fucky for no reason content with the villains, like, I would say, like, 
50, like, I would say 60% of it is Mezagog, and then the remaining 40% is Elsa. Zeltrax is not fucky. He just, he's focused on revenge. He's just focused on revenge, so yeah. Um, and then her backstory was just kind of unclear, uh, and only comes up basically because Mezagog, when he becomes full of Mezagog, he no longer has that human, uh, yucky human Antoine in him. Yeah. Um, he basically straps her to a chair and like digitizes her, blasts her. It seems like she he, he basically kills Elsa. Right. And then and then she pops back up somewhere, and Zeltrax kidnaps her because he knows who she is, and she's just dazed and confused about all this like what the fuck mm-hmm. also uh, i think you pointed out she like she, you could tell she gets better because she's wearing all white and has modest makeup yeah and like she's got long like regular looking hair <laughs> she 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 got less fucky when she got uh when she she, she basically became human again and it's just it just is this hint that she was kidnapped and brainwashed by Mezogok. She was just a random person Mezogok kidnapped and brainwashed. She may have been a research scientist. We don't know. Yeah, they never really get into it. And, like, it's implied at the end of the season that she gets hired, like, officially to be the principal of the school. Yeah. Um, Which, like, okay, how does that, like, I'm just wondering, like, did Mezogok put her there? Like, was she kind of, like, did she... Like, is she just, did she just assume someone else's identity and the school board just didn't check? Like, yeah. it's it's kind of weird to think about. <laughs> I'm wondering, I think it might be the latter of, like, definitely wanted to put a person in power here because, oh, hey, it looks like Tommy's getting a job here. Ooh, Tommy. Yeah. So, like, probably putting a person into power. So probably the original principal, principal Randall is dead or some shit. <laughs> oh, God. This uh, series does get dark enough, so let's just assume the original principal Randall died. Yeah, and uh, was re- and you know the school board didn't check because they never saw Principal Randall's face, so they just you know this lady pops up and it's like, oh yeah, yeah, that's her. Yeah, so she gets the official job and she dances with Antoine at the end. And I'm like, you know, her relationship really wasn't with Antoine; it was with Mazagog. But okay, sure, sure. All right, and I guess moving on to kind of our honorable mentions of characters, we kind of have our uh, white dino ranger clone who, like, he gets, he's like the evil side of Trent's personality that gets, like, split off from him when the the evil is extracted from the white dino gem, which, okay. It's Power Rangers. It's Power Rangers. Um, Yeah, he doesn't really do much. Like, as you noted, he's kind of like the, the green candle that was like to Tommy is that he's draining he's like slowly draining Trent's power so Trent has to overcome him like yeah, in order was, to like you know function at 100% yeah cuz basically what was going on was like because the gem split basically mm-hmm. it was trying to become whole again so he had right. to do something about it yeah so and... the dino ranger clone the white dino ranger clones like there for like 5 episodes and then he gets defeated by Trent and is never seen again yeah and then there was the tree girl, Krista. We kind of briefly talked about it. And she she really did nothing but facilitate uh, Connor's sort of growth. And uh, it was very funny because of how the series ends. It ends with prom. And you're like, oh, Krista doesn't show up again. In the back of my mind, I'm like, I think she does. But it's like at the end, it's prom. And it turns out, yeah, no, that wasn't an implanted memory or anything. Krista just randomly shows back up again. Yeah. It's like, and then okay. Ethan... 
Yeah. Ethan's like, which which girl on the list was this? And, he, and, and, and like, Connor was like, hey, no, that isn't it, bro. I just really liked her, and I asked her out. And I'm like, cool, you... The episode before, you're like, hey, check out this list of all these broads I want. Uh, oh, Connor. <laughs> um, all right, so let's, we're done with our characters, so kind of let's move on to our odds and ends. And uh, our first one is, why is this series so fucky? <laughs> it was so fucky! <laughs> like, it's not just the, the villains, like, with Tommy's whole, like, weird sexual tension with Anton Mercer, it's like, like... I don't know if this was intended or just kind of happened by accident, but my god. Yeah, and, like, it's very fun. Like, like I said, like we kind of mentioned, like, it does deal with, like, teen sexuality and dating. It deals with that in pretty much the way you want Power Rangers to deal with, but then you get to the adults and it's just like, oh my god. It's like, okay, guys. Um... <laughs> Like chill it a little bit on the funkiness, just skosh. This is skosh. This is Power Rangers. You you don't have to. What is that? What are the things like the there there was that image is like uh, in this episode the writer will unintentionally show us his kink. Yeah, that's how that felt like with which watching the villains. It's just like are you guys just unintentionally showing us your kinks? It's, like, entirely possible, but I don't want to, like, think about that too hard. No, well, at least it's not, like, totally spies level. No, that's true. <laughs> Which people are so surprised that, like, totally spies was, like, kink. It's like, yeah, it's all those weird kinks that don't seem like kinks, but, yeah, they're kinks. Yeah. You know, much like Quicksand Guy. Shout out to Quicksand Man. Yeah, we will. <laughs> he will come up again when we watch Los Luchadores in a couple of months. Yeah, shut, shut up. But yeah, it's like, it, it's kind of like one of those are like, it, those awkward fetishes of like, I don't want to say awkward, but like really spe- hyper specific of like, person making balloon animals while barefoot. Yeah. Oh, God. This, okay. So, uh, you probably guys remember I mentioned my uh, my friend who passed away last year, Joe Hunt, a few episodes ago. Um, I, There's this one story I remember him telling about, uh, he used to go to Kink Con every year. And, like, some, he, he told the story to me once about, like, you know, some guys would ask him, like, oh, I bet it's just sexy there all the time. And he's like, well, yeah, the parties are fun, and it does, you know, you do see lots of sexy outfits at night. At day, though, nothing is happening because people are working the entire time because there's a lot of, like, people, like, you know, porn stars and sex workers who work specifically in kink. And he's like, yeah, you know, they'll be doing stuff because, like, somebody, like, has a very specific fetish where they can only get off when a girl is like in a bathtub full of like cocoa pebbles and she's pouring milk on her head or something like that. Yeah. Um. So I just, I, I always just think of that story he tells me when I just think of very specific kinks that like are like, are not what you would expect. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, that's totally spies. Whereas this one is just like, no, this is kind of like, even as teenage me picked up, this was like a little too sexy. Yeah. I love her like, this is too sexy for Power Rangers. <laughs> but we're still going to talk about it. <laughs> um, so so that kind of was like, it, for me, it was like, is Tommy a sub or dumb? You know, what happened with him and Antoine? So I feel like it could, they, they might be both, like, kind of Switch-like. Yeah, I guess verse is going to be the word that for that, in that particular context. Because it's definitely, like, I definitely get an energy that Antoine does want to act out, like, 
kind of be domineering, and that's why it's in Mezagog, again, with that psychosexual shit. Mm-hmm. But, like, I could see him, like, wanting to, like, n- have someone have control over him and lose control, which is an appeal when you're, like, a sub. Mm-hmm. But I can also see that with Tommy. Yeah, but Tommy just doesn't feel domineering, if that makes sense. He feels very laid back and chill. Yeah, so maybe, like, uh, service dom in that case, maybe? I don't know. Is that even yeah, a thing? Like, I'm, I'm, it I'm has to th- be. I, I'm just loving that I'm just like, did they break up because it was like, and then they found out they were both bottoms. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay. <laughs> I, I'm sorry, now I'm reimagining like Fifty Shades, but you make it like Tommy and Antoine. Oh, God, no. I don't think that makes it better. Cause it would like, be slightly. Oh, yeah, because it's like, oh, but it would still be Fifty Shades, though. I'm just, I just, just the scene, though, it's like, I want to show you my like red room or whatever the fuck. <laughs> and it's just a dino research lab. <laughs> you know what's really in my bedroom is a dino research lab <laughs> okay um and then I i'm guess- sorry i derailed that <laughs> oh you're fine um okay so kind of our next little bit we wanted to talk about this happened a lot with last season too especially as we're now moving into the seasons of power rangers that are specifically produced in new zealand but oh my god, the accents just popped out everywhere. Oh god, just everywhere accents. And it's just like, especially Connor's actor, mm-hmm. just, I think his name was James. It's like, you could clearly tell he was trying, but eventually like the, the director's like, oh, we'll just, we'll just use this take. It's fine. It's fine. And then, like, my favorite part is sometimes there would be, like, the a- actors that were, like, playing not major characters, and, like, I remember one time there was the one episode where there was the security guard where, like, it was that episode where Kira was evil. Yeah. And, like, the security guard is very clearly trying to, like, like fake an American accent and try to sound Southern a little bit. But, like, it's just, it just sounds weird. And then, like, when they get to, like, the guy who's running the news station, they didn't even try. He's just, he's just full New Zealand. This full New Zealand J. Gemma Jameson. Right. <laughs> He's like, he wants pictures of the Power Rangers. <laughs> give me, give me pictures of the Power Rangers. <laughs> Cassidy, have them on my desk by, by tomorrow. Or you're fired. <laughs> oh, oh man. I would say like with this season and kind of with last season, you could make a drinking game anytime a New Zealand accent popped out, but I would not recommend that. I would say love yourself. <laughs> love yourself. You know, don't don't die of alcohol poisoning. Yeah, don't die of alcohol poisoning over Power Rangers of all things. My God. Yeah. Um, uh, and I really wanted to touch on how catchy the theme song was. Yes. Season, oh my God. It, yeah. It's, it's always been the one of the catchiest themes, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I would say last season was pretty good, but like this one especially was just very like it was very catchy and like. It's, like, the closest they've really gotten to that same catchiness of, like, the original Power Rangers theme. Yeah. But, like, without Ron Wasserman's kind of... I don't I don't know what it was about Ron Wasserman. Like, he does great themes, but, like, there's always something a little weird about them. I think that Power Rangers, it was, it was aping on a lot of grunge. Yeah, and, like, I, I would say, like, because he... I think... Did he do the Zeo theme? 
Um, either he did or someone on his team did the Zeo theme. Okay. Because, like, yeah, the Zeo, I would say the Zeo theme and the Turbo theme were also very catchy, but they just weren't at that same level of, like, you know, uh, go, go, Power Rangers! Yeah. Whereas, like, you'll, you will literally catch yourself being go, there's a light in the in distance. distance. See them See coming, coming closer! closer. <laughs> yeah. And, like, like, even years after, it, like, it will just randomly pop in my head, the Dino Thunder theme. I'm like, God, I love this theme. Yeah, it, it was in my head constantly, even when we weren't fucking watching, like, when we'd have a day off, like, um, like, we were like we we were coordinating trying to get together like to do the last three episodes but like so right now the um the women's national like the national women's soccer leagues uh challenge comp is happening right now and i got getting caught up watching games uh especially because there was a back-to-back day where it was like um orlando pride versus washington spirit and then the the portland thorns versus the ol rain but I was still like in my head that entire day. I'm just still just like, um, it's just the Dino Thunder theme just playing over and over. Yeah, <laughs> I even would sing it at Coda. <laughs> yeah, so your, your like special version of the Dino Thunder theme. <laughs> I don't think you're all. You should be privy to to Coda jingles yet. But yeah, I come up with Coda jingles and I would just sing it at him. Yeah, there there and are you- a ton of nicknames for Coda, and there are a ton of jingles that. Sid will sing Dakota at any given moment. <laughs> and that became one of them. And he just looks at me and he's just like, eh, feed me. <laughs> but yeah, another thing, and I added this later because I just remembered it, was like, that, like, for like two or three episodes, they just had this, like, they would just kidnap people and turn them into monsters. Yeah, it was kind of horrifying, especially like, because another ep- like an episode that this really came up with was with the Funky Fisherman, because he had this like um, he had somebody that worked with him like the they called him the Mackerel or something like that I don't remember like what his title was, um, but like he gets he's just this really pleasant like children's show entertainer and he gets fucking kidnapped and turned into a fish monster by like the bad guys it's like what the fuck. We were, like, really distraught over it. Yeah, because it's like, okay, so you combine, like, some random items you find around the, oh, the garbage, like, bin into monsters. Okay, whatever, that's fine. But, like, turn it, like, because, you know, Power Rangers will do this occasionally where, like, they will do a thing where, like, somebody innocent gets turned into a monster and therefore they have to fight the monster, but also, like, make sure that, like, the person is safe and, like, it's a horrifying prospect every time, but the fact that it seems like it happened multiple times this season was just like, I hate this. I hate this so much. And without the Rangers knowing? Yeah. Like, you know, the Rangers don't really find out, like, oh my god, that's this person. We have to protect them. Yeah, it's always like, at the end, it's like, oh my god, we almost killed a dude. Yeah, what the fuck? Dino Thunder is more darker than we thought. Because mm. it was that and like, oh, the big one was like, Another one that came up later was the uh, the the other substitute that came in for like Tommy and Antoine wasn't oh, feeling well either. God, and yeah, they, that one. They just kidnap this poor dude and shove him in there, and turn him into a monster. Yeah, because it was like the volcano episode because he was a volcanologist. Yeah, this is like 
Oh, it was it, he came in because he was a volcanologist and could speak better on it. Yeah. And yeah, they just kidnap this guy and, and make him a monster. And you know, at the end, like these two characters are better, but it was just kind of like, wow, this is kind of horrifying. Yeah. <laughs> um. So it might be time to talk about the battleizer. For, for okay, so I noticed we're talking a little bit more about battleizers, and I think it's because it's either. You know, they're good enough that we we do like the design and they show up enough to talk about them. But this one, it was just because of how batshit bad it was. Yeah. Oh, my God. Okay. So in the episode with the tree and um, Krista being like, you know, you need to actually be passionate about something and not just do it because you want to get laid uh, to Connor. So Connor's got to, like, search deep and figure out, like, what he's really passionate about. And, like, so I guess because he's selfless and saves Krista, he unlocks the Battleizer. And, um... Uh, <laughs> it doesn't have abs. It doesn't have abs, no. It has extendo arms and legs. <laughs> and what's funny is when we first got to the Jurassic Shield stuff, mm-hmm. uh, we were like, oh, wow, is this... Like, I forgot. Is this the Battleizer for the season? I'm going out the back of my head. This can't be because this is... This is part of Abba Ranger. It's very clearly Abba Ranger. And also, like, designed like it would be in the Sentai instead of, well, we gotta cobble together something. Yeah, so, so it's just like, yeah. So I googled it and I'm like, oh no, I was, my gut feeling was right. That isn't it. And I'm just like, no, I'm just gonna let Ashley look at this fucking thing when, it, when we get there. And then we get there and it's like, are those gonna be extendo arms? Oh my god. Yeah, it was, uh, I was like, I. I have no words still. I don't know how to process having to watch, like, Connor get these powers that just, like, and this dino season that just make his arms super long. I don't get it. No. Like, this is. He, like, kicks a villain to the ground with them when he first gets them. Yeah, it's like, okay. Like, it doesn't. It's one of the top worst battleizers, I think. Yeah, because, like, okay, last season, like, they kind of made it work with the whole ninja theme and, like, it was- Fantasy setting. Fantasy setting, so it was kind of dumb, but it worked. And then, like, Wild Force, you have, like, it was, like, the eagle or something like that, so at least kind of worked. And uh, Time Force worked because time travel, I don't know. Um, Yeah, the the last one I could think of that definitely didn't work was the, uh- fighter jet thing yeah and like like that season with lost galaxy this one popped up at like somebody having to learn like basically getting character growth at the expense of a woman yep oh i I don't even think leo got character growth it was just caron's character growth and then leo got the shit yeah he's just like cool you did all that work for me bye (laughs) um (sighs) I just, I just, I don't, let's just, like, I think about that battleizer too long, and I feel my brain start to melt, so I'm just like, you know what, I'm good, I'm good. So, I, let, let's, uh, let's talk about the Lost and Found in Translation episode, so. Oh my god. <laughs> this episode, I just, I did not want to spoil on you or anything, and it was kind of the biggest... Uh, I, I I think especially towards the fan of them at that time, which we had a little bit better access to, like Sentai and stuff like that, and what mm-hmm. was going on, because mm-hmm. uh, torrenting and shit was becoming a thing. Right. Um. Uh, 
So it was kind of like a wink at the fandom for knowing a lot of Sentai stuff going on. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, and I, I think it was the, the only episode Kurt remember watching. So I'm like, oh my God, Ashley's going to flip when she sees this episode. <laughs> and he did. It was just delightful. Oh my God. Yeah. I, this episode was so weird and so funny. <laughs> like they, they pretty much, um, did one of those. I want to say 90s anime adaptations to an episode of... Because so basically the whole thing is, uh, you know, Ethan or Ethan is watching the satellite TV that, you know, Haley just got and it's late at night. And, you know, it has a lot of, like, channels from different countries. And um, Kara's like, oh, heck yeah, I join you. And Connor's like, oh, I have this report to do about different countries and how they interpret culture and da-da-da. They're like, oh, stick around. Maybe we'll help you out. And they they come across in this universe. They come across basically what seems to be Japan's interpretation of how they're like how Power Rangers is. It's basically like, oh, there's this American like sh- like superhero group over there. We're gonna actually make a TV show about them and their adventures. Right. And in actuality, it is an episode of Abba Ranger that they kind of put, like, a, a 90s dub twist to it with, like, really obviously Americanized names, I think, for some of it and some really Americanized plots uh, and, and stuff like that. And it, it's it's quite wonderful. Um, they definitely do take a lot from the episode of Abba Ranger. And, and this we talked about it earlier about Connor being a huge dick about it. <laughs> So I kind of I kind of want your feelings on it because I know you enjoyed it. You're like, this is delightful. Yeah, it's just like I think it just kind of like I loved them kind of playing around with like the old like you know the way that they would used to dub over like um you know Japanese television shows or da- Japanese movies and like it felt like looking into an alternate universe where like um because we talked about this a little bit with in our uh, Sabanier overview. About how Margaret Lesh uh, tried to get uh, Sun Vulcan off the ground and states with Stan Lee. And their plan basically was just to do kind of the, like, the Godzilla overdub. Where yeah. they would just, like, overdub the uh, the Japanese actors with English uh, voice actors. Mm-hmm. And so it felt like looking into, like, an alternate universe where, like, they got Sun Vulcan off the ground and, like, this, like, you know going from that then on out like every season was just sort of this dub over of like Jude Ranger or Old Ranger or stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> or Abba Ranger in this case. Yeah. Like it was they, just... even, they even kept the Abba Ranger theme which is also pretty poppin'. Yeah. That was, that was a good theme. Uh, yeah. It was just very so funny and like I just I love what they did with it. It was very clearly like it was not done out of any malice whatsoever. Yeah, it was it was done kind of in not only love to Sentai itself, but also kind of a uh, almost a love letter to how clunky our translation used to be. Yeah. <laughs> and and all because we were in in terms of like uh the anime boom, it was starting to happen at this time. It was starting to also peter but like I know Tokyo Pop was still out in force with their, with with manga. Mm-hmm. We were starting to see like we were still in the oh hey let's just get shit licensed and throw it out there <laughs> situation with anime. So it didn't matter what the quality of the dub or just the quality of it was. Right. 
So we had a lot of that. It just felt like kind of a love letter to a lot of what was kind of going on at the time with bringing over a lot of stuff like like Sentai and like, you know, a lot of other things from Japanese culture that we were importing. Right. And and now, you know, the manga industry over here is one of the best selling comics. So, yeah. That's a, that's another point entirely. But yeah, it, it didn't it didn't feel like oh wacky Japanese, and it di- it didn't feel like that. It definitely felt like more of like we we love the relationship we have with Toei and the show. Right. They also picked a particularly goofy uh, episode of Abba Ranger. Right, with the baseball player and all that. Because <laughs> it like there there a lot of that plot came from the the plot of that Abba Ranger episode. <laughs> Oh, man, the fans were like, Abba Ranger is so stupid. I'm like, it's a kid's show. Calm down. Yeah, they're all children's shows. It's not that big of a deal. My favorite really was like, Hurricaneger was way more serious. And I've watched all of Hurricaneger and I'm here to tell you, no. It was equally goofy. (laughs) Yeah. It was definitely a fucking kid's show. (laughs) I'm sorry. Anytime your mentor is a hamster, your show's not that serious. But yeah, it, it, it's just one of those, you know, it was it was very loving, I thought. And we yeah. also hated that. That just cemented our hate for Connor, I think, a little bit more. Because he's just being an overdramatic bitch the entire time when, like, Kira and Ethan are like, this is hilarious. We love this. We love this. This is obviously a very funny show. And yeah. And we're having an enjoyable time. But Connor's just like, they're making fun of us. They're like, they don't know who you are. Really, like, shut up, you weirdo. Yeah. I don't get the baseball player. Yeah. I'm like, dear lord. Oh. I guess my final thoughts on that, it's like, this is clearly like an episode of a children's show. Just just chill, Connor. Yeah, exactly. Um, I guess kind of moving on, it's like, again, we go to the part of the season we laughed at the most, which was the no gamers allowed song. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it had to do, like Ethan got trapped in a video game, and one of the ki- like one of the characters was like in the video game had like that was his only way out and everything, and the, he he went inside his his little hobbit hole house, and Ethan's like, no, I need help, I need help, and the guy was like, no, pointed out the side and said, no gamers allowed. <laughs> so I think there was like a quest going on or something. Yeah, because it was like this, like it seemed like the game was kind of like the. A similar plot to like I guess Ready Player One, where like you know, every, like people are going through the game to try to hunt for like a particular hint, yeah, uh, like winning some sort of prize. I don't remember all the details. I just remember that's why Ethan is obsessively playing this game, and then he gets sucked into the game. Which like him getting sucked into the game was hilarious because they just sort of felt looks like they filmed in the same woods. They filmed like the first fight scene in the ep- in the series. But You're gonna see those ones a lot in the Disney era. Yeah. But then they just, like, turned up the, like, the color, like, saturation. <laughs> I was like, good job, guys. Doing it on a budget. Yep. And then, like, there was... So, this season is when the 500th episode of Power Rangers overall occurred. So, there was a clip show in, like, early on that was just about, like, oh, what's the legacy of the Power Rangers leading up to this point? <laughs> Yeah, it was, I remember when it came out at the time, and how big of a deal it was, and it really was kind of like, almost like it was a treat, a lot of people, I remember not hating that, and really liking that going back, and looking back on it. Yeah, it wasn't bad. It, it, 
Yeah. It, it aged poorly, I think, in terms of the narrative, though. Yeah, and, like, it wasn't, like, a terrible episode. It was just more like, oh, this is a clip show, I guess. And, like... Randomly at the beginning of this. Yeah, because it's, it's, like, basically the whole setup is that they're trying to, like, find a way to explain to the other rangers that uh, Tommy's history is a Power Ranger. Yeah, and, it, like, it was basically, uh, what it was, like, Tommy went missing, got kidnapped, and they were just trying to find shit around his lab about it. Right. And, and so, then they found a video recording. Yeah, it's like, it seems like it's supposed to be Tommy's, like, video will. And, like, he's like, I'm gonna tell you about my history as a Power Ranger. And so, like, the first bit of it is just him kind of recapping Mighty Morphin all the way to, like, Turbo. And then, like, um, and then it just keeps going. <laughs> yeah, it just keeps Keeps going. This is where we fight Connor. Because uh, in the last season of Ninja Storm, uh, Connor's actor was used as those weird kids at the end of the season mm-hmm. to show up and basically be like, oh, yes, the cycle is anew. Here's these new misfits. Right. And so Connor was like, oh, yeah, my twin brother went to that school. So they, they connected a lot of that going on. And, and again, um, I thought that was going to come up in the crossover and it didn't. <laughs> it didn't. So, yeah, it was just one of those, it's like, where did you all get this footage, archival footage from? Yeah, especially because it's like, you don't know any of these other rangers. Like, how did you, did you interview them during Forever Red? Did you just were like, hey, I'm gonna go talk to some of these guys in Forever Red. Yeah. And get their stories for my, my giant video project. (laughs) And, um, and I'm like, how'd you get this footage? So now I'm like, does the Morphing Grid just watch rangers? Can you uh, tap into it? Because that's fucking creepy. Hell, as you said many times in this episode, the morphing grid works in mysterious ways. Mysterious ways. <laughs> as, as we also saw on a date with Ethan, it's just like, why are you guys, how are you spying on this date? Uh, well, you know. <laughs> so, I, I, yeah, I think it's just all morphing grid bullshit. And I'm like, that's actually a creepy thing that should be talking about with the morphing grid. So you can spy on people. Yeah, what the fuck? Um, um, and then as we kind of get towards the end of the series, we kind of get like these very weird episodes that kind of defill the time. Um, there was that one episode with like, I forget the name of it, but it involved like that one like comic artist that Trent really admires. Yeah. And uh, Elsa it- gives him a pin. Yeah, Elsa gives him this pen, this magic pen that like it kind of takes over his body, and he d- right he d- he draws this entire story about the Power Rangers. It kind of reminds me of like that Ikuhara episode of Sailor Moon, where like the the with the two it was gay because they had the two animators who were like, oh, we're gonna be the best friend animators, and it was during like an animation crunch time, and then all of a sudden it was just like, uh. I forget which one was like, I will tap into this one's animator's, like, spirit and have them animate a shit ton. So it just reminded me of, like, being possessed and making a bunch of art without realizing it. Right. Like, not quite Rohan from JoJo, but... Because <laughs> no, Rohan's kind of weirdly in control of it with a stand, and he's also a butthead. Yeah. I'm gonna burn by my house to own my teenage rival. <laughs> it's like, okay. We haven't gotten there yet, but you're gonna love it. <laughs> oh my god, okay. Um, but yeah, so this episode kind of gets a weird take on me vibe because, like, <laughs> they try to do this weird, like, comic filter effect that's, like, in, like, every, like, iMovie, like, preset. Um, yes. 
this is this take on me shit. And, and eventually, like, Trent draws himself going in there. Yeah, so Trent has to draw himself with the pen going in there to make sure that the rangers don't die. So yeah, I was, was like, this is a very strange take on me Sailor Moon episode. Yeah, because, like... Uh, so, like, as soon as, like, the, it changes into the comic setting, I'm just like, So, the knockoff Yu-Gi-Oh thing was so funny. Oh it was so obviously knockoff Yu-Gi-Oh. It's called Dragon Wars. Yeah. And, like... It was this, yeah, so then in the episode with that, like, Elsa bans it from the school, and, like, you look at the cards, and it's, like, especially because, like, the main card that they keep going on about is the ruby dragon. It's like, guys, we know you're talking about Yu-Gi-Oh! Like, <laughs> you you don't have the four kids license for Yu-Gi-Oh! We get it. <laughs> and then it later becomes, like, the plot point because, uh, it, um, uh, I think, yeah, the card, because it's, like, that's the episode where they found out Principal Randall is Elsa, but then all of a sudden when, like, Antoine comes with Trent back to the school and they talk, they're, they're kind of, like, shooting the breeze, uh, out of the pocket of Antoine Mercer's, like, out of Antoine Mercer's pocket because he reaches in and gets something is that, that card, and they're like, how'd you get the card? Yeah, that's a rare card. How'd you get the card, Antoine? Oh. And he was even out of Trent, and you're just like, how'd you get that? And then all of a sudden, shit happened. So it really was the unfurl in the beginning of the climax of everything was thanks to fake Yu-Gi-Oh. Oh my god, it was insane. <laughs> <laughs> and this all happened thanks to a bootleg blue eyes white dragon card. <laughs> um, and I guess we kind of want to uh, briefly touch on the team up episode. Yeah. Um, so, as we mentioned, there's a team-up episode this season where, like, Lothor, like, crawls back from the dead and teams up with Mezagog, and they obviously fucking hate each other. Yeah. Uh, my favorite lesson they kind of got from Wild Force, I felt, was to make the team-up a two-parter. Epi- two mm-hmm. So you actually get more time to catch up with people and more of a story than... What we kind of saw with Lightspeed Rescue and some of the others. I know, like, I think the, like, the Lightspeed Rescue Time Force was one episode. Uh, and then, like, they had, like, a, it felt like a multi-parter with the Last Galaxy one. But then, like, the other one with In Space wasn't exactly a two-parter either, I think. Yeah, I remember the so Lost kinda... Galaxy one, like, the Lost Galaxy uh, Lightspeed Rescue was a two-parter. But I, it was a weird two-parter because, like... Um, yeah. they only got part of the cast for the first part, and yeah, then, like, so, all of a sudden they show up magically in the second part. So, I feel like they, they more or less took more from that formula of Wild Force of making it equal parts, mm-hmm. of, like, you need to catch up with the others, as well as drive the plot going on what's currently. Right. Um, which, like, the other team-up episodes were very fumble and miss. Yeah, I, I think this one was pretty solid, um... Especially, like, like with establishing kind of, like, that new Disney continuity. Yeah. Like, you, you caught up, like, the whole thing of Lothar came back, and he, he made uh, the three main rangers evil. He took, you know, through through them, like, basically disguising himself as Sensei. And it's like, oh, Lothar's back! And, you know, because you don't see that, you're like, oh, man, this must be serious. And then all of a sudden they turn evil, and Lothar's like, ha ha, fooled you! Yeah, and then, like, 
Um, like the fact that this all kind of starts with Blake coming into town to like for a motocross tournament, and like he starts hitting on fucking Kira, and it's just like, okay, did you just fucking forget about Tori? Like, what happened there? What happened there? Did that just not work out? Also, Kira's in high school. Yeah, she's like seventeen, bro. Yeah, we're gonna have to call in, uh, what's that dude, Chris Hansen on you? Yeah. <laughs> hey, Blake, why don't you have a seat over there? Right, oh my god. It was, it, was just, it was just like, I get it, Blake's like probably, what, 18 or something, but it's still kind of like you're hitting on a high schooler, that's really weird. Yeah, and then like, it never comes up again, obviously. It never comes up again, and it was just more like, and it just maybe Blake's just flirtatious, I don't know. Yeah. Which, it's still kind of weird. But, yeah, it was kind of like that. I guess him and Tori never really took off. Yeah. And, um, but, yeah. Yeah. I, I was like, it, it's the way, but, yeah, you kind of catch up, and you see, like, uh, with the exception of Blake, the others have become teachers. Particularly, uh, it looks like Hunter is definitely deep in being teacher. Yeah, because he's still teaching at the Thunder Ninja Academy. Which has I, his own robes. Yeah, like, I love the Thunder Ninja Academy robes. Like, it, was, it looks so good. Yeah, like, he looked great, mm-hmm. and definitely kind of matured from, like, that very, guy, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna punch the sun, and I'm angry, and I'm kind of dumb, to actually kind of, like, I'm sophisticated now. Oh, I've calmed sure. down in my life. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, probably owns a cat. Um, and then, but, but you also see, like, the others have also matured into the roles, like, Shane's also not the same, like, when he's back into being good, he's not the same hothead he used to be. Mm. Dustin actually applies his brain to things, and we're like, yay! Yeah. And then, like, as we mentioned, I love the fact that, like, as we mentioned earlier, I love the fact that Cam and Haley talk to each other and talk shop over the internet. Oh, yeah. You know, and, and it definitely kind of more or less goes into how, um... Which almost feels like a rarity, because it's like, internet friendship back in the day when Howl was betrayed was very much stranger danger shit. Yeah. And here it was like, oh, yeah, you're my friend from the internet! Yeah. And, like, she's just like, hey, this is an emergency, we really do need to meet up now. <laughs> yeah. Type of type shit. And, and you know, it really was kind of that good balance of, of seeing what the, what the Ninja Storm Rangers were up to, as well as kind of continuing a little bit of the plot. With the others, kind of a fun team up. Probably just that would happen to Lothor. Yeah, poor Lothor. <laughs> um, but I loved the joke at the end with because so the actress who plays Cassidy also played Mara in the previous season. Yeah, and like, um, so she had, she does double duty in this episode because like Mara and Capri are that's like studying at the Wind Ninja Academy, and then they kind of get dragged back into Lothor's bullshit. Um, be, be, being, being secret agents about it, too, because they're actually working for the Wind Ninja Academy. Yeah, so, like, they're double-crossing yet again. Yeah. And, um, but, so at the end of the episode, when they're kind of at, like, the, the, the competition that Blake is competing at, like, uh, Mara, Mara and Capri are walking together, and Cassidy and, uh, Devin are walking together, and they're just like, hey, that girl looks just like me. I'm way more pretty, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was like, I just, I love that. It was just so funny. <laughs> yeah. Because, like, is that, like, the only time, like, Power Rangers has really acknowledged they use the same actors actors over and over again? I'm really thinking it is. Yeah, it was, I, I just thought it was very well done. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, so kind of the, the bring up all this is it because we're in a high school like season it ac- series, it actually ends on like the whole thing hinging on prom. Right? Oh my god. It's like I haven't thought about prom in ages. <laughs> So, yeah, I was just kind of like, well, who I'm going to take the prom and the prom pressures and, uh, you know, with, like, Devin and Cassidy. Oh, we, we're not going to go to prom unless we figure out the Power Rangers are. And then, like, Cotter's like, who am I going to take to prom? And Kira, I guess, was like, I need a gig. Yeah. She later plays at prom. And then uh, Ethan just being like, I don't want to go to prom. I want to go to this premiere that I, I just want to like point out with you because of just like okay one this lady was obviously way too old to be playing a teenager right she's a she was a very lovely looking lady but i could definitely tell she was not a teenager right yeah yeah but it was like ethan meets this girl in line and they really hit it off talking about how much they love this like space movie that's coming out and then, like, Ethan gets called to be a ranger, and he's like, oh, yeah, well, I gotta leave, uh, could you save my spot? And she's like, oh, yeah, sure, and the guy behind him is like, there is no such thing as saving spots. She just glares at him, and he's like, oh, woman, I'm scared. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and this reminds me of how you are going to wrestling shows. Oh, yeah, I am kind of the worst uh, when it comes to that, because I will just not, I don't have patience for that kind of shit. Uh... Is you know, I've been around geek spaces for so long and men just trying to be like, you know, they'll talk out their ass and just to make their heads bigger. And like, and especially at wrestling shows where people are just so obnoxious. That is like the part about the pandemic right now where it's like, I don't miss this about wrestling shows because I, my blood pressure is at least lower because of that. <laughs> I don't have to listen to people workshopping their podcast behind me. Ugh, the uh, worst. Yeah. And so, like, yeah, I, I, I'm very much like that. It's just like, like, sometimes when people are acting up, mostly men, at these, at these events, I just usually just fucking glare at them until they stop. That is my favorite is when you do glare at them and they're just like, I'm uncomfortable now. Yeah, because it's like, oh, they have to confront the fact that like, oh, what they said was stupid. Yeah, and this just the tripping over their words and you're just continuing to glare at them. Yeah. I, I don't think it's your worst like tribute of what you do at shows. I think it's one of the best things because you did kind of... that. I just remember it was... uh, What show was it? It was the one where we went to Florida. Oh, that was Fest. Yeah, I went to Fest and like this guy was being just such an obnoxious dirtbag during something and you just called him out. I think it was like a homophobic type of thing and you just called him out for how gross he was yeah because he was just everything oh god he was he just was one of those fans that like he just absolutely needed to put himself over i don't like because he was just yelling like this weird homophobic and also like trying to lewd that someone was like a child molester when like they weren't or like they at least there's no proven like notes that he is so he's just being obnoxious for the sake of being obnoxious at this point and I just cannot stand it anymore. They've been doing this for like an hour. And I just fucking turn and I just scream at him to shut up. And like, I just thought that like at that point we were going to have a fight. And then like at some point I turn back around and they're gone. And the guys behind me is like, oh my God, thank you for telling them to shut up. Like they were just being <laughs> so annoying. <laughs> like, so so that now you know Ashley's superpower at wrestling shows, which is 
literally that moment of Dino Thunder of she will just be like, okay, <laughs> all right, you want to start shit? And then the guy will go, oh, woman, I'm scared. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I don't miss that aspect of wrestling shows, but like, I do kind of miss like, you know, yelling at people when they deserve it. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that draws us to our conclusion. Um, and our verdict is... It's, forgive the pun. Yeah, forgive it already. <laughs> Please. <laughs> Please. It's like, it's dynamite. Dynamite. <laughs> uh, it's not my favorite of the Disney years because I'm just, it's just simply, I am not the biggest Tommy fan. However, Tommy is not the biggest deal breaker, uh, especially how it used to be for me. Like, oh, I don't want to watch a season about Tommy. Now I'm like, I'm cool with this. And, I, like, like I really have warmed up to it over time. I wish we had more with this Tommy, who actually acts like he's a child ex- an ex-child soldier, but whatever. Uh, the story is just very good, because it's, it's full of drama. It's full of things to really ring you in, definitely, in, in terms of when this was starting to be a serialized program, as opposed to, like, uh, syndicated. Right. Uh, but it was still, like, easy to follow for children, uh, you know, it wasn't, like, overly complicated with the drama, where, like, a kid would get lost. It was, like, yeah, a kid could definitely tune in every 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 uh, weekend for this. Mm-hmm. Uh, the cast was great, uh, and, you know, the characters uh, were, were deep enough for a children's show. Like, they had stuff going on, they were engaging and entertaining, and that helped with the cast. And, again, they felt like actual fucking teenagers instead of paragons of truth and justice. Uh, lackluster ending is probably its biggest weakness, but it isn't the biggest deal breaker, because again, you get that cathartic happy ending. Right. Yeah, honestly, like, out of what we've watched so far, this has easily been one of the best seasons story-wise, and it's probably gonna be one of my favorites overall, if we're being totally 100. It's easy to follow, it's super fun to watch, and the overall story is very snappy and drama-filled. Yeah, it does lean in heavy to the Tommy worship sometimes, and the ending just kind of ends um but overall it holds its own and takes classic ranger tropes while still being an actual story and not just you know syndication like overload so yeah i dug it a lot um and that might be a dinosaur pun i don't know anymore (laughs) (laughs) all right well uh we are at the end of another episode so as always we would like to thank kate nix for composing our amazing theme song that you hear at the beginning of every episode and at the end of every episode so you can find her on Twitter at I am Kate Nix, as well as katenix.com, where there are links to her band camp, her merch, and her streaming. So right now she's in the middle of Lounge 5, which is the fifth season of the Lullaby Lounge. So you can catch that live on Tuesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time with replays on Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And that's at twitch.com slash katenix or katenix.live. And then, as always, thank you, Joe Hunter, for our artwork. So you can find him on Threadless uh, at joehunter.threadless.com with various designs taken from uh, his comic with Land Pitts, Beast Heart Strikers, which you find that comic on Comixology. And if you want updates about when the next issue is coming out, you can follow him on Twitter or Patreon at joe underscore hunter and on Instagram at joebloodyhunter. And then, of course, we want to thank Kurt Yoder for editing the podcast and putting up with our bullshit as usual. So you can find him on Twitter at TheGreatSG. 
or uh, Great SG Pixels, which is strictly devoted to uh, his pixel art that he does with Sid. And then um, you can also find him on Etsy at Great SG Creations, where you can buy some of that pix- uh, that Perler pixel art. It is very good. I have many pieces from them. And then um, our wrestler of the podcast this month is going to be the queen of the dinosaurs, Tara Calloway. So she's currently recovering from an injury right now, but like she also runs her own wrestling promotion called Dropkick Depression. Uh, so you can find her on Twitter at, at Tara Calloway, and she also has her own link tree, which is linktree.taracalloway. I don't, I don't know how to read it out. Uh, just go to our show notes as well as our Twitter, and we will have all the information about where you can find the best dino mama out there. And then, as always, you can find me on uh, Twitter and Instagram under at, uh, at Miss Kitty F. I do have a link tree linked on my Twitter profile, and I should probably put that on my uh, Instagram as well before this podcast comes out. Uh, so that link tree will take you to all the places you can find me on the internet, where you can find my comics and my masks and all that fun stuff. Uh, as always, I do sell masks and zines and uh, tote bags now as well through my storefront, which is ashley-leckwell.square.site. All right. And then you can find me on Instagram right now with Witchcraft and Cats. I did change my Twitter handle, much to Ashley's chagrin, to Cottage Vor. <sighs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, you can find me on Twitter at, at CottageVore. I also have a link tree to uh, most everything that I do, including um, my um, my candle and soap shop called Coda's Magical Crafts, which you can go on there via Coda's ma- Coda slash Magical slash cra- Crafts uh, dot square dot site to go there. Uh, but I also have a Twitter called Corona Crafts, and I will post pictures of the cats and sales and stuff, as well as a Patreon that is also Coda's Crafts. And then for us, the podcast as a whole, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Rangersplain. We really need to use the Instagram more, where we will just kind of tweet, like, stuff that we find funny while we're watching our next uh, episodes, or just Power Rangers bullshit in general, like my latest uh, take of, like, you should watch Mortal Kombat because Ludi Lin is beautiful. <laughs> He's very beautiful. Yes. Um, you can also find us on Patreon uh, now. So we should be having it launched by the time this episode is out. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Uh, so, that's, so we can also find us on Patreon and at Rangersplain. And then, uh, as always, you can find our show notes and other things at rangersplain.wordpress.com. We will get an actual site someday, but it is not today. Next month, we're venturing into the future with the Intergalactic Police Force Space Patrol Delta for Power Rangers SPD. Stay safe, wear your mask, get vaccinated if and when you can, and call your reps about their shitty anti-trans bills. And as always, may the power protect you. Go Rangers.